Please remain calm, Guardians. It's September 18th and 19th, 2016, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. One of our first ever ghost whispers was on the Iron Lords. That was way back in October 2015, and a lot has changed since then. We know a bunch more about the Iron Lords and now have a bunch more questions. This episode is going to serve as kind of an interim update as we come up on impending release of Rise of Iron. 24 hours by the time you hear this. And a kind of what to look for primer as we fight through the expansion and the new raid. Who's on the podcast this week? I'm your fire team leader. <laughs> I lost it. Dang it. Because you tried to tell me how to pronounce it. Xrilliance yeah. 3.2. That's me, X-Ray. And I've got Glory Ratchet 2.1. Man, that's... How, how, well, that's... how's it going? <laughs> it's pretty awesome, actually. This is this is like a hype cast, right? Yeah, where this is... Contrary to that very calm <laughs> intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, it started off with please remain calm. I had to stay calm, I, know, I guess. I know. I know. I'm with you though. But no, I'm doing great, man. I'm I'm like super excited about this week. I don't know if super is the right word, but that's one of the words that comes to mind. Um and already kind of exhausted this whole the transmission event thing popped up without anybody expecting something like this and Ended up being so time consuming to to work on, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But no, I'm I'm really really looking forward to next week and Yeah, there you go. Awesome. Next up we have Splendor Pop two point six. How are you? <laughs> uh Splendiferous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going well. I'm like super hyped for Rise of Iron stuff now. I was kind of a slow hype, but again with all this transmission stuff, it's like ah it's so cool, it's exciting. It's like tomorrow or something. <laughs> it is tomorrow where you're at. And yeah. I don't know if I get it early or not. <laughs> and we have Dropnificence 2.0. What's up? This has been a ridiculous week, man. <laughs> Jeez, we It's been an awesome week also just in our fan chat and doing community stuff. Like we broke down the new gameplay missions, the new strike. We talked about trailers. We've got the whole transmission thing going on. The community's coming together to to work on. And we've got a bunch of other projects that our Slack members are putting together as teams. Just getting all this amazing stuff, you know, and where everybody feels like we're up like we're right on the line. Like if Rise of Iron is our deadline, everybody's cranking at like 110% <laughs> right now to do every possible thing there is to do before Tuesday. Seriously. Well, that's what we're doing with this podcast. We're recording now and going to release ASAP so that we can get it out before Tuesday. So That's right. Something to listen to uh, in these last 24 hours to really get all pistons firing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're talking about stuff that, we, that, that was going on over the weekend. Uh, so I had uh, agreed to help out with the uh, Fight the Flood charity stream that the Destiny Reset guys put on over the weekend. And I kind of got in on it late, which is probably good because I'm not a streamer and don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, But I ended up helping to fill their 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. time slot. But they didn't have anyone from 5 a.m. to 9, so I kind of just ran 
until about 7.30 in the morning. Uh, so that was that was excellent. And right when I logged in, I didn't expect it, but Dropslash jumped in my on my fire team, and we ran around and did, man, we did all sorts of stuff. We, we uh, went on some, you showed me where some of the ghosts were, and we talked about some of the maps. Uh, and then we played the, the daily heroic and, uh, got ran. you the, uh, the ultra night. Yeah, that's right. We did the ultra night and, and you showed me, uh, we, we hacked into, uh, <laughs> where was that place at? It was on, broke, in, broke out some geometry, broke out of the geometry on the dreadnought. Yeah. Well, for, oh, nice. for the ultra night, but we also, you also took me and Mars up in the, uh, Oh yeah. We dropped down into the new Clovis Bray facility uh, beneath the Dust Palace on Mars. That's right. Awesome. That was awesome. On the twenty-first floor. Yep. Or something like that. Yeah. And we then just had a good time. You hung with me uh, about as long as you could, and and I finished up the last I don't know hour or so, hour and a half, just playing some PvP and and showing how terrible I was. But uh, <clears throat> the charity stream started with a goal of ten thousand dollars and finished like super strong way over their goal at $12,517.78. So that was awesome. So uh, I'm going to run down some of the streamers and just uh, some of the people involved. So it was Arrow Knight and Cyborg Sasquatch uh, who put this together through the Destiny Reset podcast. Um, Bayou Bombshell was a streamer. Bones and Swain Stash from Crucible Radio. I was on there. Guardian Outpost. Uh, Mr. Woodhouse. I'm the Blue Ranger, Legendary Ladman, Ninja with Noel, Destiny Reset came back, and when they came back on, uh, it was Arrow Knight, and he actually had, let me find this guy, oh, I closed it, uh, they had uh, somebody that I think was in, he was in the military, he was like a, uh, in, the, in the Navy, I believe, and uh, so they, they talked with him a little bit about some stuff, um, and then they had... Uh, uh, Clintus, and then IG Knight, and Jay Sniperton, and a couple last-minute fill-ins to help finish up the the stream. They had Princess Nards and Flower Child eighty six. Uh, gave away some really cool stuff. I think during one we of gave my, away an art book. Yeah, during our block, they gave away an art book. Um, they had a couple. I, I think they're sponsored by Yeti, and they gave out a couple microphones, and they had uh, a couple. They gave out a few copies of Rise of Iron. Um, uh, Iron Sigil snapback hat, uh, just a whole bunch of stuff. It was it was such a great time, and it was all through the Salvation Army, and and all the proceeds went directly to fight flood relief or flood relief to to yeah uh, yeah to help flood relief. Uh, and man, I didn't know this. I pulled up a whole bunch of information about the flood and was reading some of it during the stream, and there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know about, and like Drop and I discovered. It was very overshadowed by the Olympics and the presidential stuff. So if you don't know yeah. anything about it, it's worth just look it up on Wikipedia. Um, I'll give Drop the a link to that Wikipedia page so you can go read a few things. But just the combination of the weather just stopping and it just quit moving for a while and it dropped like 32 inches of rain in, in a few places. And oh. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous just the amount of flooding and damage and, and everything that's gone on. So it's, it's worth a look. It's, it's very impressive. It's impressive on a, on a bad scale, but, but uh, worth seeing what all went down and how, how badly it, it was. So, yeah, I was, I was super happy that they were able to put this together and that it was, uh, you know, just another example of the community being amazing. I mean, Baton Rouge is not that far from where I live. So, 
you know, uh, and we've seen in Houston, we've seen similar flooding in the past. So uh, it was really great to see everybody come together and, and have it be so successful. The only only correction I'm going to go is the guy's name is Ignite, like Ignite. Right? Oh, Ignite. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks for that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and this was actually, uh, it said this was the... Uh, Worst U.S. natural disaster since Hurricane Sandy in 2012. Ridiculous. And again, yeah. you, if if you you probably don't know anything about it because it was so just buried in the media because of the Olympics. I mean, it was and it it's was crazy. crazy. You threw that image up on screen. I'm like, oh, it's the beach. <laughs> no, and you're like, no, <laughs> no. Is, those are not beach towels. <laughs> no, nowhere near a beach. <laughs> yeah, it was it was nuts. So. All right, so that's that's it. Thanks, guys, Destiny Reset for putting that on, and everybody that was involved. Oh, Hidden was doing so much with that uh, in the background as a mod and helping keep things rolling. Um, and oh my gosh, I forgot the other guy's name, but he was up like the entire time doing it. Uh, I tried to steal Hidden for for a raid too, and he was like, "Bro, <laughs> I'm kind of busy. <laughs> I would just stand it. there and die." And I was like, "No, come on, we need one more." But we got it done. <laughs> so that was that was amazing. Good job, guys. And I know I'm not a streamer, but I will help out with stuff like that anytime that I can. So I think I'm actually supposed to do another one in November, uh, but we'll talk about that later. So um, can I read this next line, and then I'll let Drop talk about it. Uh, before you do, who that raid you just mentioned, Gavel? We we were doing moments of triumph stuff this week too, helping people get the last things that they needed. Yeah, it, as you said earlier, it has been a crazy week. <laughs> so, congrats to everyone who who squeaked out their moments of triumph here at the very end, and thanks to the everyone in our Slack chat for helping out doing that. I think we got a ton of people who got their moments of triumph done just from from putting fire teams together uh, in our Slack group. All right, now you can read this next thing, X-Ray. Now? Now, now you can. Do it. We have a fucking website, finally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, okay, you really did read it. Well, it's FKN. It's I, as, I phonetically, I said it the proper way. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> I told you guys don't put stuff in there if you don't mean to read it. That's what I do. <laughs> Go ahead, yes, Drop. Tell us about this website you put together. It's awesome. Yeah, it's one of the things I've been I've been building in the background. We've been talking about it for a long time and talking about really we needed a place to experiment with things and you know maybe talk about stuff or post some information about stuff that either rolls off too quickly in the Slack and doesn't have a permanent home or wasn't really suited for the podcast, but it's information we want to convey. So we talked about building a website and we talked with some other people about it and how it was going to get designed or things like that. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to, I'll just make it myself. Uh, and I buckled down and I, I dove into it. I've built plenty of websites in my life and yeah, it's a thing. Uh, destinyghoststories.com is now the official online home of this podcast. Uh, there's a bunch of I'll leave. There's mysteries. There's mystery URLs that also go there, but I'll leave them to the, for folks to find out. Our <laughs> Easter eggs. Like yeah, there's stuff. there's tons of Easter eggs that that will take you there. But a couple of the big things that I wanted to get out of the way on the website. I'm still building it. There's still a lot more to come. Uh, but you've got a blog, and it's going to be 
just little tidbits, updates, information, things like that. Also, it's going to serve as a, a quasi-permanent home for a lot of stuff that happens uh, in our Slack because there's some amazing projects there that are just sort of sort, stored in Slack documents and they need – the world needs to read them. So <laughs> they're going to live on our website and that's going to be awesome. Uh, also, I really, really, really wanted to build episode playlists. I know that folks who are just finding us now – on Podbean or iTunes or Google Play or whatever, if they're starting in chronological order, there are some topics that are really more fun to listen to in a binge, sort of like a Netflix style. I want to hear all X episodes in a row. So I built some playlists for us. So there's a Books of Sorrow playlist. You can listen to all seven Books of Sorrow episodes in a row and then the Seth Dickinson interview at the end. There's our Factions playlist. There's our 13-episode Exotics playlist that we just finished. Uh, all the interviews are in one place. We've talked to some amazing people since we started this podcast, and now all those interviews are in this in one spot. Uh, and then, like, our class episodes grouped together, uh, War Mind episodes grouped together. So this, um, it'll be an easier way for people to listen if they want uh, to consume one topic all at the same time. And there's a link to our store because we always forget the URL. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, there's a little about page for us. Uh, we're going to be adding some more information. One of the things that a question we get a lot in the email is how do we make the show? Like what mics do we use? What software do we use? Things like that. So now we can make sort of a post that lives on the website that talks about, you know, all the different things we do to actually make ghost stories happen. So, yeah, that was something I've been working on for a while, and I finally felt confident enough this weekend to to really roll it out uh, and get it finalized, and now it's a thing. And there might be some things that, that don't work, and there might be some, some things you see that uh, you might have suggestions about. And if you do, if you find any little errors or, or hit anything, let us know, because, um, like I said, it's very new, uh, and I think the feedback would be appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited at the possibility of like having a permanent home for for just some of the amazing work that the members of our community do, the artwork, the the stories, the the ridiculously long and thought out theories. Yep. Like there's going to be a place for all that kind of content. It's going to be so great. Yeah, I can't wait. And we can and now it can all be backed up with like multimedia and things like that. Mhm. So, I've got I've got some people on tap who are going to contribute. So, I'm looking forward to to seeing what they produce. All right. Well, next uh, we had this thing we mentioned earlier. Uh, I think that that uh, Gavel was talking about it. This transmission event. Gavel, you want to talk about that a little bit? I think I've heard of this. Yeah, have I think you? I have too. I think I've I think I've obsessed about this since it started. Actually, <laughs> I think I've thought of almost nothing else in my life since this started. The cosmic uh, lice. Yeah. There you go. That's one way to put it. That's one of the better ways I've heard. Yeah, there's some bad ways we won't talk about, but uh, I got into a discussion on Twitter, and I'm, I told the guy I would mention him on here, so I'm going to do it real quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we were talking about what to call it, and he said he's heard it called a few things that aren't real pleasant and I didn't like, uh, and so I called it Cosmic Lice, and he said he hoped I would say it on the next podcast, and I am, and that was to R. Plaskin. 1976. So there you go. 
There you go. Yeah. All I want to say about that is uh, let's not refer to something in a video game as something that exists in the real world and ruins people's lives. Correct. That's anyway. So there was some uh, there was some downtime on the fifteenth, right? The servers were down for like an hour. Yeah. And uh, servers came back up, and yeah, we found that people started gaining these weird buffs and these crazy sparkly lights surrounding their heads and it 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 i don't want to go into all the details it led in, it led to this uh, a website uh owlsector.bungie.net uh, that had a bunch of really mysterious stuff on it and there's so there's this whole event it's called transmission um it's not over and because of the nature of the event we don't know everything about it yet it, they're releasing new information every couple hours um uh, the next the next chunk will come out in an hour from when we're recording. So nice. Um, it's like three quarters over right now. So uh, the the general idea though is that uh, different players around the world started acquiring these buffs, and they could be trends. They could be wow passed <laughs> from one player to another through a variety of player interactions in game, killing people in Crucible, picking up people's orbs in PVE, all sorts of different things. Um, and and there are five of these different buffs or infections or whatever you want to call them. Uh, they they supply you with rep and XP boosts. Um, and yeah, it's it's been it's been really interesting. It's it's introduced us to to some new characters. The the owl sector is a a non guardian emergency response team that's that's investigating the phenomenon. Uh, it's given us way more lore and information than I ever would have expected out of like a. I mean, essentially, what 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 amounts to a small, you know, event, you know. I mean, the, we have <laughs> so this show that we're recording right now is based on a ten, eleven page document, and it's going to be great, and it's got tons of information in it. But <laughs> our document for this event is at twenty three pages. Right? Yes, and there are like there are probably thirty to forty people out of our listener slack who have contributed notes or who have like commented on things or who have helped make sure that we get the information pasted into our document as soon as it goes live on the website. It's been a ridiculously huge effort by the people on our Slack and they've been awesome. Um, but yeah, so the what happens is every two hours the website updates and it adds a new transcript and um we're certainly not going to even begin going into them, but they, they, they talk about these electronic mites um, that originated from the Dust Palace on Mars. Um, and we've learned that it appears to have been a Golden Age experiment to enhance humans, um, trying to make them better at going out to new planets and colonizing, make, making people smarter and faster and stronger and, and just healthier. Um, but as... as as the transcripts have gone on, it, it it seems to be getting darker. But we don't know where it's going because it's not over yet. So we'll talk about that at a later date. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm reading through all these notes. Some of the implications lore-wise are enormous. I can't wait to really dig into it and unpack it all and start putting pieces together. It's crazy. Needless to say, I think uh, you can expect an episode or two or three or however many it takes to to discuss the entire event. So. Absolutely. Yeah, as, if, as if we weren't planning enough with Rise of Iron, then they just right. stuck this one in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's yeah, amazing. well, it's and amazing. we definitely we might have to we might have to hit up some of these folks that that have 
put so much time into this document because really this that show is going to be one of those this is an hour show thing you know i mean it's 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 going to be made up of so much stuff that other people have contributed that we'll have to give them credit and and maybe even give them a voice on on a show that'd be that'd be fun again i think absolutely And I mean, you know, the majority of the people listening to this aren't in that Slack. So just so just so everybody understands, we literally this started happening. We started chatting about it, and eventually we had to make the call to say, okay, this is a too big for us just to break down in a chat where the messages are flying by. We literally just created a Google Doc and put the link in our chat so that anyone in our chat can click on it and edit the doc, and just everybody is able to to help come together and do this and so all you people that are out there if that sounds cool to you i mean go to our website destinyghoststories.com <laughs> and request access to our slack and we will get you in there and you can take part in this it's so much fun all right let's uh let's get this this show rolling then and we're gonna start with uh a little bit about rise of iron and about our iron lords and our and just get everybody up to speed and, and give you some ideas of what to look for coming up. Yeah, so that's <clears throat> the one thing I wanted to mention here at the beginning is uh, since the announcement for Rise of Iron, the in Bungie tradition, the release of information has been scattered all over the place. So some YouTubers were given exclusive sort of information, and then there was stuff at E3, and there was things at Gamescom, and then at PAX, and then there were some live streams, and there was new trailers, and then... Game Informer has been doing this slow rollout of information, but then certain things were only released on Instagram. And so I do my best to keep track of all those things. I've got a bunch of running docs that just sort of I can insert information as soon as it surfaces. But one of the most sort of insightful and questionable events that we had so far was a writer's roundtable that was hosted by Matt Miller of Game Informer. Uh, It was a super rare chance for the writers of the game to directly speak about the game to an audience. We usually don't get – we've had story people on before but not. We had uh, some – the lead writer of Rise of Iron and some senior writers and another writer and the cinematic lead all in one spot. It was a rare sort of chance to get to, to hear what they had to say. And they answered a ton of questions. They cleared up a lot of of things for us, which is really nice. But then they also introduced a whole new slew of questions and controversies for us to, to debate over because uh, they're throwing some things out of whack. And they mentioned in this roundtable that they're a young team and, you know, sometimes old stuff's got to go and new stuff's got to take over. So as the sort of historians and lore keepers, we, we keep close tabs on all this. But as we go through the rest of the show, I'm going to refer to this roundtable a lot because so much information came out of it. So I'll link that in the show notes so everybody can watch it if they want. But when we mentioned the roundtable or the writer's roundtable, that is where this information is coming from. I transcribed pretty much the entire thing. Uh, so, yeah, and some some names uh, – so Chris Surf is the lead writer on Rise of Iron. Christine Thompson was a senior writer on Rise of Iron. Jill Shar was a writer on Rise of Iron. And Matt Ward was a cinematic lead. And they also mentioned Lily Yu, uh, who is back at Bungie writing full time. Uh, so you'll hear her name mentioned as well. So a bunch of information. Good to know, good to know about uh, Matt Miller. We forgive you for throwing some softball questions at them because we know they had to be vetted. <laughs> 
But that said, yeah, let's let's dive into some of the key characters for Rise of Iron. Uh, I'm going to do my best to keep this spoiler free. So there's not going to be anything. We, we don't have details because we haven't played yet. So you're not going to hear anything from us that is like, whoa, what an amazing revelation. But we, I had done a lot of digging. We've pulled up a lot of information uh, and put a lot of pieces together here. So, but... If you consider any of this stuff spoilery, spoilerly, I don't know. I love spoilers, so I don't care, but. <laughs> spoilery. Uh, yeah. If you don't care about Shiro or Saladin or the Iron Lords, then I can't help you. But uh, <laughs> if you want some, some fun tidbits about what to pay attention to, uh, listen on. <clears throat> so we might as well talk about Lord Saladin first. Uh, and we discovered that he is human. We knew that way back at the beginning uh, when Rise of Iron first started because we got to see him without his helmet on. But it seems like titans in this game are always remain somewhat ambiguous because their faces are difficult to see. But So Lord Saladin Forge, human. And then I have titan in quotes because he may not really be the titan that we know. <laughs> Quick recap on Saladin. He's the ex-Vanguard commander. He was Vanguard commander during the Twilight Gap era. And up until now, he has been the overseer of the Iron Banner. Uh, he is the mentor to Lord Shax and Zavala, although he had a huge falling out with Shax after Shax disobeyed a direct order from him at the Battle of Twilight Gap. He is now referred to as the last Iron Lord. His role among the Iron Lords is currently unknown, but he holds himself responsible for preserving the secrets and the legacy of the Iron Lords. Uh, now about Iron Banner, uh, as we all discovered, I think, during the 2.4.0 update, Iron Banner is going to be changing significantly, and all <laughs> our Iron Banner bounties went away. Rip. Uh, <laughs> Could have used those Vanguard marks. Uh, we will talk about his title as the last quote-unquote Iron Lord. Uh, that was something that was heavily, heavily marketed. Uh, Deej probably said that term 15,000 times during Gamescom <laughs> and E3. Yeah. And then the Writers' Roundtable threw it out the window. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, in the trailer, <clears throat> Saladin claims that he comes from a time before Guardians which means that his abilities may be atypical for what we know a traditional Titan to be. So I think the biggest hint here is, one, the solar axe that he wields, <laughs> although other, nice. other Guardians and non-Titans have been seen using it. He pulls that thing out of thin air. So Also, he wears a cloak, which is totally hacks, but at least he understands good fashion. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> uh, and... In the roundtable, the writing team considered him to be a, quote, man out of time. And they didn't specify. They just used that phrase. So whether that means he's literally from an earlier time, which he is, uh, it's weird to say that, right? Because even if he was one of the very, very, very first Guardians ever, the world, you like you grow with the world. It's not like he comes from a time where... They didn't have the things that we have now. What does time even mean to an, an immortal light soldier zombie? Right. You're saying he didn't crash into the ocean and become frozen in a block of ice to be thawed out 60 years later? Exactly. Oh, 
No, he's been alive since the beginning, or quote unquote alive. Uh, and you know, the other possibility here is that he's just like a crotchety old man and is really out of touch with everything. Like he's the guy who still has bunny ears on his television and things like that. I mean, from what we know, he really only interacts with other people once a month for a few days, five days, correct? Whatever, seven days. <laughs> Uh, so you're saying maybe he's been locked in wherever he goes for a very long time? I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out. I guess. he does. His jump ship is the model of the original one we get, so it's kind of an old jump ship. <laughs> I'm not even going to say it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> uh. So anyway, while we're playing through, uh, here's some things to keep tabs on for uh lord saladin uh here's the biggest one that i have when did lord saladin join the iron lords in every grim grimoire entry up to now it always refers to the nine iron lords and then calls them out by name which we'll get into saladin is never mentioned in any of those things also he would have made number 10 (laughs) so all the texts that refer to the quote-unquote nine iron lords may not necessarily include Lord Saladin. <laughs> so when when did he become an Iron Lord? Uh, was he an apprentice or a squire? Did he not take Lord until after the original nine, that, that title until after the nine original nine died? We don't know, but it's something that, that, to, to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I think that's going to, and you may have more about this later, that's, that's going to come into some of the other stuff that was mentioned at that roundtable. Correct. Where the oh, yeah. number hundreds of Iron Lords was thrown around, um, so there's definitely a lot there to left for us to learn. Yeah. So, uh, how did Saladin survive and/or escape after the original nine were sort of locked away or killed or whatever we find out happens to them? I'm sure we'll find that out in a cutscene or through him. <laughs> What was his relationship with Yolder? And we'll hmm. talk about Yolder in a little bit. Uh, but it seems that Saladin and Yolder had a unique relationship. So what was that unique relationship? Was she – it certainly doesn't seem like she was an apprentice to him, not like Shax or Zavala, but maybe he was hers. Uh, the possibility that he was grooming Zavala or Shax to be Iron Lords themselves. This is a huge one. Because Saladin's been around for so long and, as far as we know, hasn't taken many apprentices, uh, here we have – and Shax uses the title Lord. So I'm really hoping that at the end of the story, out of the blue, it turns out that Shax is in fact an Iron Lord and comes death from above out of the sky and destroys the entire Plague Lands. But <laughs> <laughs> seems Boom. like a thing he would do. Could be. Uh, and then a question that I would love – I hope, I hope this is either in the grimoire entries or whatever. Let's sit down by the fireplace or the ironwood tree with the wolves and tell me a story, Saladin. Tell me about Saint-14 and Osiris and Toland and all these hero guardians that we've talked about so many times on our show. Saladin was around during their sort of their most glorious days during Six Fronts, during Twilight Gap. Saladin saw all these heroics. I'd love to know what his sort of hot takes on these characters are. Us, too. Yeah. 
awesome. those are things things to keep an eye out for uh, with Saladin. And again, I'm sure through some of the the exposition and dialogue and cutscenes, we're going to find a lot more about him. But these are some of the the big questions. Okay, now I'm going to say it. So right. whenever we were talking about his ship, I just pictured the crotchety old man still driving around like the 1970s vehicle like yeah. buffing it and shining it and like when he pulls into the he pulls into the tower he's like don't scratch my ride you know just like getting upset and making sure that nothing happens to it. it's still pristine because he's been babying it ever since he got it with like his first paycheck at his first job his sparrow's got the old old school bicycle horn on it <laughs> spinners and <laughs> banana seat yeah uh. All right, the next key character that's been revealed to us is Shiro 4. He's an Exo hunter. We know that he runs scouting missions for Cade 6 and the Vanguard. He seems insanely well-informed about a great many things, including the House of Devils. Uh, He has a direct quote from the new Strike, where he mentions that the House of Devils marked us as public enemy number one after we trashed Sepik's Prime, so... He's, he's got an ear to the ground when it comes to the, the House of Devils. Though he does wear a cloak that looks like it was made from the banner from the House of Kings. Uh, though we do know the kings have sort of unprecedented influence over the devils. we got to find out where he got that thing. Because I may not have been from barracks. Uh, from the roundtable, they mentioned that uh, Shiro 4 is Cade's quote-unquote trusted scout. Uh, and he's very much positioned as the Vanguard proxy on Fell Winter Peak. So the Vanguard's not there, but Shiro's there in their stead. So he's really a cool guy. The voice acting is great. I know a lot of people have been asking who is Shiro's voice actor. It's not been I was, revealed. I was, I was just going to ask that. <laughs> it hasn't been revealed to us yet. So, okay. uh, But in all the stuff that I've heard, he seems to do a great job. I'm all for more snarky Exo Hunters. Uh, okay some questions to pay attention to for shiro four how much does shiro know about the fallen especially the house of kings and the house of devils Uh, it seems like he's like we said it seems like he's he knows quite a bit so i'd love to hopefully we'll find out from him sort of some background about those two houses of fallen uh and also, Saladin makes a huge deal out of trust and honor and secrets and legacy and we're the guardian and he can only trust us. Why does Saladin trust Shiro? Uh, you know, if, if they're all going to be occupying the Iron Temple, why would Saladin even agree to let Shiro up there? Again, yeah, it, make, it makes me wonder if that if it got his arm twisted. True. Or the Vanguard sh- said, if you want our guardian, you got to take our agent. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. I was thinking that, you know, if Saladin is a man out of time, he may not necessarily be up to speed on what's going on with the fallen of the area. And if Shiro's the go-to guy for House of Devils and Kings, then he could have said, hey, you're you're the current expert on these houses. Let's let's get you up here. So and so also he has a ship and we haven't seen it yet. And I hope it's a really swank hunter ship. (laughs) (laughs) all right the next character we're going to come across uh to pay attention to is tira karn she is an awoken cryptarch although she's often referred to as just a quote-unquote quest giver which is not a very prestigious title 
uh, but her menu plate in the game lists her as, quote, archiver and recorder of history, and, and that is what a cryptarch is. Uh, she is the gatekeeper of the new memory of artifacts that we'll talk about quickly. Uh, and she, the outfit she wears and her facial tattoos match the symbol of the cryptarchs, so I am confident in saying she's a cryptarch. Now, from the roundtable, a new character named Tirakarn is the centerpiece for Guardians looking to acquire the new Iron Lord artifacts. Uh, and they refer to her as, quote, the old Awoken archivist Tirakarn. And one of the big questions for me is, this is the third Cryptarch we've gotten in the game. The Cryptarchs quite literally are archivists and recorders of history. So far, all three Cryptarchs are Awoken. Uh, considering the diversity of people we interact with in Destiny, uh, it's strange to me that the gatekeepers of history, especially concerning the Golden Age, which the Awoken were not around for, are all Awoken. There's <laughs> uh, some quick lists here where the human factions are one of each. Uh, new Monarchy is Hideo, and he's human. Uh, the Awoken is Jalal, and he's Dead Orbit, and the Exo is Lakshmi, and then the Vanguard has one of each. Uh, in the Crucible, we don't know Shax yet, but he's got that cool R site is his little bot. In the Reef, we have, of course, plenty of Awoken, but we also have Elixni in Varix, and then we have a human, Vance. In the Tower, the Gunsmith is Exo, we have Ava and Amanda. Holiday is humans, Tess is Awoken, then we have Eris, who, is, who knows what she is. But the Cryptarchs, so far, all Awoken. Uh, so the, que the only question I really have here is what is her relationship to the other Cryptarchs, uh, if any? I mean, I've got to imagine that the, the Cryptarchy is not going to send a, like a, a novice up to the Iron Temple. I wouldn't think so. So she probably knows... She knows the score on something. So I, 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 man, I really hope she takes jabs at uh, Rahul because that would be hilarious. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> Ives does. If you stand around, yeah, Ives, Ives does. Ives will take jabs at <laughs> at Rahul. So, <laughs> all right, let's move on to the two big ones. First one is the Iron's Bane, Siva. <clears throat> So I got some quotes here. Uh, I will read. This came from the website and there's some other sources here. Let's go through what we think SIVA is, what we're hoping SIVA is, what it might be, what it's called, how it got that way, and a hilarious concept called Grey Goo. <laughs> first things first. <clears throat> the Iron Lords once... The Iron Lords once pledged our lives to protect humanity. We sought great treasure from our long-forgotten past. We thought it would save us. Instead, it turned against us. One by one we fell until at last we sealed it away. But what we buried long ago has been unearthed by an army of scavengers. The Iron's Bane has returned. I will finish this. I will honor the memory of the Iron Lords. But I cannot do it alone. For the city's enemies to fall, you must rise. So that was the initial introduction on the, the little microsite for Rise of Iron. And... We've discovered that SIVA, uh, as far as we know, is Golden Age Breakthrough in a self-assembling, self-replicating nanotechnology. But we don't know if SIVA is the name of the technology itself or the AI controlling it. 
in a lot of the footage we've seen, uh, there's Warmind and Warmind-like facilities, and there's a pretty good chance that there's some kind of artificial superintelligence in charge of this tech. You don't just invent like super smart self-replicating nanobots and then don't put anything in charge of them. <laughs> it's, it's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah, well, they specified in, in the roundtable that SIVA, that it requires a mind to control it. And they used that word, which of course made a lot of people immediately think war mind. Correct. So, and we've, in our war mind episodes, we talked a lot about rampancy and the effect that the darkness can have on uh, artificial superintelligence. So that could be what we're looking at here. Uh, so if that has become corrupted or rampant, it means the tech and even the splicers are could just be tools for this AI who's sort of pulling the strings in the background, but in service of what goal? And it's a major question for Rise of Iron is if the SIVA techno plague is being controlled by a superintelligence, what is the end goal of that superintelligence? And then, of course, the other possibility is that it's just the Fallen. The Fallen have taken over the AI, they hacked into it, and now they control the... Uh, the technobot, nanobots. So it could just be as simple as the fallen don't like us and they want the traveler <laughs> back. Yeah, we don't we don't know the the like maximum capabilities of of like a servitor. Correct. Which is essentially an AI, like and what what they could build with one of those and maybe that's controlling it. And this is something we'll get into more of this in this little section below when we talk about the House of Devils and the House of Kings and the potential impact they could have on all this. Uh, from the roundtable, Siva was considered the, quote, holy grail, but also Pandora's box. The Iron Lords wanted to use it to rebuild the Golden Age. Uh, if you've ever read the book Swarm by Michael Crichton in 2000, uh, I'm sorry, the, the book Prey by Michael Crichton in 2002, uh, this is a very similar. It featured a swarm of nanobots, uh, which was sort of very futuristic at the time. That was, you know, 12 years ago. But these, so far, from what we've seen so far of these, this techno plague, it's very similar to this uh, Michael Crichton's swarm from the book Prey. Uh, although Siva uses, seems to use the fallen as a vector, it's shown a capacity to infect or enhance other organic and inorganic objects. We've seen this all kind of through playthroughs and these weird Siva growths and other things that have been either enhanced or infected by SIVA tech. So it's not just the splicers, it's all kinds of things. But at this point, we don't really know who's in charge of it. It's one of the things hopefully we'll find out. Uh, and then I have a note here. This could be the starting point of a gray goo event. What, what is a gray goo event? It is a hypothetical end of the world scenario involving molecular nanotechnology in which out of control, self-replicating robots consume all the matter on Earth uh, while, oh, nice. while building more of themselves. <laughs> uh, if, we, if we add paracausality, rampancy, and other classic bungee ingredients, uh, it makes for some compelling story possibilities. Uh, I've got a lot of notes here on gray goo. It's awesome. This is a, a hilarious term. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I first heard of this, I think, when I was I read Battle Angel Last Order. There was a in that series of books. There's a uh, gray goo event that happens on the planet Mercury, not unlike, kind of like what happens to our Mercury with the Vex. Uh, so gray goo. The term was first used by molecular nanotechnology pioneer Eric Drexler in his book Engines of Creation in 1986. 
Uh, in chapter four, Engines of Abundance, Drexler illustrates both exponential growth and inherent limits uh, by describing nanomachines that can function but only if given raw materials. So a big part of Drexler's view on this was these machines can only infinitely self-replicate as long as they have the raw materials to do so. Uh, but again, you throw paracausality in there and who knows what could happen. Uh, there's some hilarious math that he included in this book, including <clears throat> this quote. Ima imagine such a replicator floating in a bottle of chemicals, making copies of itself. The first replicator assembles a copy in 1,000 seconds. The two replicators then build two more in the next 1,000 seconds. The four build another four, and then eight build another eight. At the end of 10 hours, there are now 36 new replicators, but over not new 36, but 68 billion. In less than a day, it would weigh a ton. In less than two days, it would outweigh the Earth. <laughs> In another four hours, they would exceed the mass of the sun and all planets combined. <laughs> uh, if the bottle of chemicals had not run dry long before. <laughs> so that's a terrifying thought if you yeah. have the bottle of chemicals. <laughs> Uh, and then he also mentions the quote-unquote gray goo. Uh, so, and gray goo doesn't necessarily refer to a literal gray goo. Uh, <clears throat> the term gray goo does not indicate color or texture, but emphasizes the difference between superiority in terms of human values and the superiority in terms of competitive success. Though masses of uncontrolled replicators need not be gray or gooey, the term gray goo emphasizes that re replicators able to obliterate all life might be less ins inspiring than a single species of crabgrass. They might be superior in an evolutionary sense, but that does not make them valuable. So it is to stress that, you know, for all the amazingly vast, complex, beautiful things, uh, these nanobots are literally nothing visually special, but they will destroy everything. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, and then I have a note here. Drexler notes that the geometric growth made possible by self-replication is inherently limited by the available availability of suitable raw materials, a limitation that may have been overcome accidentally or otherwise during the Golden Age with paracausal science. So that is why SIVA could be terrifying. <laughs> well, I mean, we've already got like easy bake bullets and stuff. So why can't we have materials that just can create out of thin air or something? Exactly. Fun. Well, Good job, Golden Age. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is interesting too. because So this combined with what we're learning in transmission is that not everything that came out of the Golden Age was like, Hey, superhuman advancement, it's going to be great. It's like, wow, we made an amazing discovery about a totally terrifying thing. <laughs> yeah, but we kind of knew that anyway, that <laughs> a lot of the golden age positivity was a bit of a lie. When you're like walking around the Cosmodrome going, there are tanks everywhere and <laughs> we've got war mines. Like, I'm sure it was not all sunshine and rainbows. Like they keep telling us. <laughs> I also I included this here also because people have been saying, you know, we we just fl OK, so we fly back from Saturn where we have deposed of a millennia old paracausal hive god. Uh, 
you know, we've literally faced down the agents of the darkness and defeated them. It's like, what possible next challenge could we have? How could SIVA possibly be a threat compared to that? Tiny robots. Yeah, tiny little robots <laughs> destroying is, all the things. It's funny the, the difference in scale then. You go from like this giant being, this huge army, you know, flying around on moons and then to think, you know, we could be brought down by <laughs> nanotechnology. Yeah. Like... Yeah, it's just, it, it's cool contrast there that they're bringing in. So, and the other big thing here also is that, and we don't know this, but given what happened with the Iron Lords, Guardians might not necessarily, I mean, if these nanobots are reassembling on the molecular scale, we as Guardians may not be safe. You know, they could turn our our ghosts into whatever, a tiny little nickel or something, and then just... <laughs> turn all our clothes into something else and then turn whatever. I mean, unless the light itself is immune, which I can only imagine it must be, but still like, can you imagine this swarm of self assembling technobots get themselves inside the traveler and are suddenly able to utilize that power? Dangerous repercussions. Uh, so yeah, those are things to pay attention to with SIVA. That is why SIVA is dangerous. Uh, and that is why uh, going into this should maybe not take it so lightly. So the next last big, oh no, two more. Two more big things to pay attention to. The House of Devils. Uh, quote here from Master Rahul. The devils take what nature has yet to claim. And from way back in Vanilla Destiny, here is the grimoire card for the House of Devils. <clears throat> These are the scourge of the city, the shadow below our walls. This is the house that led the battle at Twilight Gap the house we tell our children about to frighten them into behaving. The House of Devils have now devoted great strength to pillaging the Cosmodrome in old Russia, hunting for something buried below. If they are not held in check, whatever they may find, <clears throat> whatever they might, fi whatever they find uh, might prove to be the city's undoing. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Although we learned in the Writer's Roundtable that all the Rise of Iron stuff is pretty new, so it looks like they were inspired by this particular card. Yeah, well, we know that that they left large portions of the history vague so that they could go back and write interesting things into it like this. Correct. Uh, the house that led the battle at Twilight Gap. Uh, we know a lot about Twilight Gap. Uh, but qu even more famously, we mentioned this on our last episode, the Battle of Twilight Gap is where Sulcus, the Kell of Devils, got his head caved in by Saint-14. <laughs> uh, we also have Twilight Gap. The wolves never showed up at Twilight Gap because they were stopped by the reef. Uh, devoted great strength. Uh, but they have lost even more. We're going to talk about the House of Devils. Interesting note. According to Lakshmi 2, the House of Devils was either was present either during or just after the collapse, and they were responsible for the destruction of London. Uh, that's a direct quote from Lakshmi 2, which is, <clears throat> want another war story? I was there when the House of Devils burned London. So... Then again, she's the head of the war cult. You can't really believe anything she says, but sure. No, you can believe everything she says as long as you understand it might not have actually happened in this timeline. True. I do I do trust <laughs> – as an exo, I trust her, especially with a designation of two. 
as the head of the future war cult. I not believe a damn thing out of her. <laughs> she says a lot of those war story things, but she's like the speaker. She'll like, ah, oh, I was there when the devils burnt London. And you're like, go on. Like, no. <laughs> oh, you on. want another you're story? Not. You're like, no, I want that one. <laughs> you just haven't earned her trust yet. Wish there was a, like, an emote to just like, Sit all straight back to cross legged on the floor. You could sit in front of her, like, tell me another story. Yeah, like a, a go on emote. Go on. <laughs> yeah. I'm listening. During House of Wolves, Skolas tried to force the remaining devils uh, under his control, as seen in the mission The Silent Fang. That is the mission where we start in the divide and pass through the wall. Uh, Skolas uses the Silent Fang to try and force all the devils to join him. Uh, as he discovers, though, jokes on him, we have pretty much destroyed all of the House of Devils' command. <laughs> so I put together a fun list here. This is this is what remains of the House of Devils. Okay, they're in rough shape these days. Since the Battle of Twilight Gap, they have lost Sulcus, the Devil Kel. He was killed by Saint-14. They have lost Rixus, the Devil Archon. We killed him in the mission story Restoration. Uh, we have offed Sepix Prime in the Devil's Lair. That was, he was their prime servitor. So they have no Kel, no Archon, no prime servitor. A potential replacement Archon, Karis, uh, is killed by us in the Breach on a patrol bounty. Loxus, the Devil Claw, is killed during a public event in the Forgotten Shore. Ron, the Devil Captain, is the first boss we kill in the game. Naxus, a Baron, uh, is killed in the Devil's Lair strike. His name says Devil Baron, but he wears the colors of House Winter. So not quite sure what the story is there. Saber 2, destroyed by us in the Fallen Saber strike. Uh, Eremus the Ship Stealer is currently imprisoned uh, in the Prison of Elders. She's a Baroness of the House of Devils. Uh, that is like the top. So that is a Baroness, a Baron, two Captains, an Archon, a potential replacement Archon, their Servitor, and their Kel. De done. Dead. Over. <laughs> I don't even know they can be called a house anymore. <laughs> uh, I realize we have not done a Fallen episode, and we're going to, especially after Rise of Iron, because there's going to be so much Fallen involvement. Uh, but these are all important things to a, to a house. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really leads to the possibility that, that what the devils are doing now is just an act of sheer desperation. Yes. <laughs> or manipulation. Or mm -hmm. there's So I have two other notes here. There's a chance that Falsic lost to Oris was Oryx was once part of the House of Devils since he appears in Dock 13, which is House of Devils territory. Uh, and... <clears throat> Erksori lost to Oryx was cited by Petra as fighting in the reef, so it's more likely he was part of the House of Wolves, although he appears exclusively in the Cosmodrome. Those are two taken captains. So due to their weakened state and close proximity, it's widely believed at the moment that the devils are being manipulated by the House of Kings. Uh, a big part of that also comes from the House of Wolves mission, The Ruling House. It is a comment by Ghost where he talks about how much time he spent in the wilderness and all the devils he saw, but then there was always one member of the House of Kings sort of watching over the whole thing. As for the House of Kings, we have never seen the Kell of Kings, we have never seen their Archon, we have never seen their Prime Servitor, and we have never seen their Ketch. 
Uh, they are super secretive. The Kell of Kings only ever acts through proxy barons. Uh, that's how uh, he's understood to be an exceptional commander, even to the point where Skolas, as the Kell of Kells, could not challenge House Kings by force. Uh, he had to send emissaries there to have a discussion with them. And the Kell of Kings is so great that he once caused Varix to question his loyalty to the Reef. Yeah. Uh, your boyfriend's a traitor there, sure. No, he's not. <laughs> he considered it, but he didn't actually betray. That we know. Uh, that comes from the ruling house. <laughs> There's a text that reads, Varix to himself. Goes after winter, devils, kings, seeks power, kings deny him, Kell of kings hides well, perhaps he will take back the great machine, perhaps I chose the wrong side, it is not too late. He gets interrupted. <laughs> it's interrupted by somebody banging on the door. Uh, Petra over the comms, I think. Oh, there you go. From memory. <laughs> I know these cards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when Petra beckons, you go. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> All right. So some questions. These may or may not be answered in Rise of Iron, but here's some things to pay attention to while playing through the story. Uh, who is currently controlling the House of Devils? That's the big one. Uh, is it Kings? Is it Siva? Is, do they have a new Kel? We don't know. Uh, <clears throat> with the splicers pushed all the way into the Devil's Lair, are there any non-Siva devils left. It seems like almost the entire house has been, you know, taken in by this Siva thing. So what we even know of the House of Devils might not even exist after Rise of Iron. Uh, from the footage we've seen, it looks like the devils make up the vast majority of splicers. Uh, I have not seen any kings among them, but pay close attention. House of Devils is red. House of Kings is yellow. Gold and blue. Well, they got blue fabric. No, and House of Winter has blue fabric. No, no, no. Uh, not their cloaks. Their clothing. Oh, drakes, oh, oh. They've got blue scarves and uh, clothing and stuff. It confused me when I first saw them. Because I was trying to look for gold. So You can tell by the color of the shanks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can, actually. That's a good way of doing it. Uh, although, mysteriously, aboard the Drifter Crucible map, all the shanks are red, which means that is a devil's catch. Yes. It's also got a hive on it. Yes, there's cedar smashing to the side of it. All interesting stuff. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there's a Maybe strong when we get that Crucible ghost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to see what that is. We didn't even mention that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we've got That's another oh, thing that happened. Hunted, oh, man, all the ghosts we hunted. Jeez, that happened this week, too. Yep. Oof. I'll put, we have a guide for that. I'll, I'll put the guide in the show notes. Uh, another amazing thing our community did. Yep. Yeah, brief explanation for those who have no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. There are ghosts, dead ghosts to find, one in each crucible map now. Uh, it's very easy to find in private matches, but the, the cards haven't come out for them yet. You can't read what you found. Correct. You can also get the Clovis Bray 2 ghost and not read that either. Yep. All these things that we kind of got, but we <laughs> haven't got. Nah. By the time this episode's out, we might. That's true. We've got, we've got some really awesome database people in our, in our Slack chat who are keeping track of every minute change that happens in the back end there. So it's kind of awesome. 
Uh, last question. There's a strong chance that the Iron Lords faced the House of Devils and maybe even the House of Kings at the Battle of Six Fronts. Did they really not see any of this coming? <laughs> so questions about the foresight of the Iron Lords. <clears throat> All right. This next one is new. Deals directly with the House of Devils. We referred to the term splicers uh, earlier. So let's talk about what these things are. The Devil Splicers. Their entry, not in the grimoire, but on the, the Bungie website, reads, Every fallen house has splicers, body hackers and bioengineers who fuse metal and flesh. But the splicers of the House of Devils have uncovered the ultimate technology, SIVA, a golden age breakthrough in self-assembling, self-replicating nanotechnology. The fallen have always worshipped machine gods, now armed with SIVA, the Devil Splicers are becoming machine gods themselves. Confront the Devil Splicers in the Plaguelands, find the source of SIVA, and contain the outbreak at any cost. Uh, I take umbrage with that very first line. <laughs> Every fallen house has splicers. Yeah. All right. Well, lean back and ask yourself how many fallen you think you have killed since you started playing Destiny. Have you ever seen a single splicer? <laughs> uh, we have yet to ever encounter a single one. We hunted nearly every fallen house during House of Wolves. Uh, Skolas was the Kel of Kells, united <laughs> thousands of fallen under his banner. We never saw a single splicer. Uh, there's never been any mention of them from Cade, from the Queen, from Petra. Or even from Varix. <laughs> Why is this the first we're hearing about them? Do they look any different to normal Fallen? From I mean, what you've seen? I would yeah, imagine. the dregs have peg legs. Well, apart from, like that's obviously what they've spliced, <laughs> but if those are splices as dregs, then maybe we have. Like, I'm just trying to give them a right. bit of liberty here. Maybe we have come across them it. and they haven't been labeled as anything special because it's just like a role in the Fallen that isn't significant. Until but, now. But when we target them, it says Devil Splicer. Or at least when they're yeah, targeting yeah. the videos, but before. Well, that's because it's significant now that they're splices. But, like, perhaps. I'm, I'm trying to cover them here. <laughs> perhaps before. Uh, like, we're killing dregs and we're killing vandals and whatever. And maybe they have different roles within the fallen army, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But we just don't mark them out as anything significant because it doesn't matter. Like, who cares if that drag is an engineer? I'm going to shoot him in the head anyway. <laughs> so, like, now that it's significant, the slices have done something different. Maybe that's why they're marked differently. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying really hard to make this work for I'll me. go along with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, this, so these are specifically just talks about the devil splicers, but what the more I think about it, okay, so let's, let's, just take the grain of salt and say every fallen house has splicers. That means house exile on the moon has splicers. It also means that we have cleared the majority of the hive threats out of the moon, which has now given house exile access to hive technology. Yeah. So hive exile splicers it could be a very real thing in the future. Well, I mean, good for them. They need to get on their feet a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Uh, we only know of three Devil Splicers by name so far. Uh, Dressix Splicer Baron, The Machinist, and Kovic Splicer Priest. Uh, 
So uh, as we said before, they're house devils at the moment, as far as we know. Again, no Prime Servitor, no Archon, no Kel. But here we have a Baron. We have a Priest, not necessarily an Archon, but a Priest. Then we have this unknown uh, Splicer, the Machinist. And we also know that Sepix Perfected is coming back. So, And we've also theorized about the top of the colony ship becoming an enormous Servitor. So, <clears throat> uh, Dressix Splicer Baron guards Sepix Perfected. Uh, Kovic Splicer Priest. Uh, this is the guy who makes the Ogre Eyeball Gun. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, who we fight in the new strike. Yeah. Awesome. So he should be hilarious. And then the Machinist we know almost nothing about, but he seems to be the quote-unquote big bad. Uh, he seems to be the leader of the Devil Splicers, or at least very high up in the command chain for the House of Devils. So that makes sense then. The Devils are just trying to restore that trio of leadership they need. They've got their Sepix perfected. They've got their Servitor. If the Splicer Priest functions like an Archon Priest, who knows, he's got the Priest in his title. And then if the Machinist is their leader, that's like the Kel. But so what if the Machinist is the Kel of Kings? Yeah, well, that's it's still functioning as their leader, though, True. from what we know. It's so still it's a really that, weird name. It is. It is. <laughs> but it's still that trio of leadership that they need to thrive as a house. So Correct. I just they're think really the getting Christ back on their feet. The Christian Bale movie. <laughs> the machine is he's gonna be very skinny. Yeah, he just takes his mask off and it's Christian Bale. <laughs> and he says, Swear to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, a different Christian Bale movie. <laughs> it's like it. It's canon. Pay attention for that in the game. <laughs> Uh, some other quotes here. Uh, the Plaguelands are an area near the Cosmodrome that have been quarantined for centuries. Now the Devil Splicers have broken through the walls, dug deep into the earth, and found a technology of almost limitless power and limitless peril. The Splicers are using this forbidden technology, SIVA, to transform the region themselves to fit their twisted desires. So that's kind of confirmation that SIVA has the ability to quasi-terraform, which is something that we talk about the crazy nanobots. Uh, and I have a note here just, and we mentioned this earlier, the devil splicers have broken through. So are the devil splicers all that's left of the House of Devils? Are all the House of Devils now splicers? Like what, what's the regular House of Devils doing right now? Also, why did they have to break through the wall? You could just walk right through the breach. They control that whole area. They're overdramatic. <laughs> we put tons of trip mines and booby traps in here. But we're going to blow it up because it's better as a whole. <laughs> this is why the fallen keep losing engagements. <laughs> well, I mean, we keep walking through there and popping all those mines and stuff. Like, I guess that's true. The poor Dreg who probably set that up, he'd like... Oh, I gotta get some, get more mines, and he go comes back with an armful of mines, and like the whole hallway is just gone again. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? He's like this set is them good. all up meticulously. I'm gonna get my arms back if I do this. By the time he's done, we've already blown them all up again. Yeah, he kind of like sets them all up carefully. All right, all right, we're good. Okay, I'm gonna go, gotta go tell the captain that I'm done. Okay, and he comes back. Are oh, you kidding me? I literally <laughs> set this up five minutes ago. It's like, like yeah, fact, right, you slacker. <laughs> if he had four arms, he could have done it faster, and it would have been okay. Correct. 
What if where his <laughs> arms were docked, he just stuck laser trip mines? <laughs> and the lasers just pointed out of his arms the whole time. He would have a really short life. <laughs> Most likely. Let's not give them any ideas. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're going to fight a guy with an ogre's eyeball on his gun, so. Correct. They probably don't need our ideas. <laughs> <laughs> They're full of them. Uh, I can, Man, I cannot wait to use this new sword artifact and deflect that right back at him. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, all right, some quick questions. Why have we never encountered any de- Devil Splicers before right now? We've squared off with nearly every rank in the House of Devils, yet we've never encountered them. Uh, so a story bit to pay attention to. Why have we never encountered any other Splicers from any other houses? Although Sherb had a, a pretty good answer for that. Maybe they have just not been labeled as such. Uh, and quote, who is the machinist? The Devil Kell? Is he controlling the splicers? Was he put in power by the House of Kings or to break the control of the House of Kings? Is he maybe the Kel or Archon of Kings transformed by Siva? Same goes for the huge servitor they're building out there. I'm sure we'll find all that out. But again, these are big questions concerning the House of Devils and the House of Kings. Now, the whole thing is weird. Like, okay, they, they've rebuilt Sepix as their prime servitor, but that giant servitor thing looks a lot more impressive correct <laughs> but we've so never we've never seen the house of kings prime servitor yeah true so maybe they're building a gigantic body for the house of kings that'd be cool maybe they're just building a giant servitor to slowly float it into the city and crash it into the traveler <laughs> they just want something that looks impressive for once <laughs> or fallen what if we get out there and they're all just like really cool and they're trying to – that servitors, they're built like a miniature city and they're going to raise that servitor up to be their traveler. And they're just trying to build their own cool little city. And then we fly in there on Galar wings with Galar horns and like, no, you can't have nice things. And they're just like, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe they knocked killing. down the wall to use that to make the little city. Like they're using the materials from the wall. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they knocked down the wall because they didn't want to have a fence between us and them because they want to be good neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> like a good neighbor, splicers are there. That's right. See, Saladin is the old crotchety guy who's like, get off my lawn. Get off my, <laughs> get off my cosmodrome. He can't, he can't handle the new people in the neighborhood. Oh, wow. These young kids with their dang technology. That's right. <laughs> they play their music so loud at night. They've all got big legs. Oh, Saladin. Uh, it's all just a big misunderstanding. It is. Sal- yeah, Saladin, is, he's like uh, Clint Eastwood on that, in that movie. Get off my porch. I forget the name of that movie. Sorry, Clint Eastwood. You've made the same movie for the past <laughs> years, so... Whatever. Well, now we're going to get emails about that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm a big Clint Eastwood fan. Don't get me wrong. Just he's made a lot of very similar movies lately. Can't have an episode without a controversy. Thanks. Clint Eastwood is drugged in your. <laughs> That's it. I'm out. Oh, X-ray. <laughs> X-ray's still here. I yeah, mentioned I'm listening. Dreg- I mentioned Dreg Juniority immediately came back to life. We got the perfect <laughs> sigh. 
all right. So now that those are the, the major characters that we know of so far, things to pay attention to as we fight through the story. Uh, let's talk real quick about the Iron Lords because they have changed considerably since we last talked about them. Uh, and sort of talk about what they're going to bring to the table and some things that I am personally very excited to get my hands on. Uh, <clears throat> so from the website, before the city and the vanguard, there were the Iron Lords. Blessed by the Traveler's Light, these brave warriors dedicated themselves to defending humanity and rebuilding a lost civilization. From their mountain fortress on Fellwinter Peak, the Iron Lords raged across the planet, battling the darkness and protecting the survivors of the Collapse. But then they encountered an enemy they could not defeat. Now, Lord Saladin, the last Iron Lord, honors the memories of his lost brothers and sisters, and he waits because he knows that someday the Iron's Bane will return. Uh, so yeah, this roundtable threw a huge monkey wrench in what we know about the Iron Lords. Uh, <laughs> about when they first came on the scene, we originally thought it was six fronts. Turns out it was way beforehand. Uh, they Their origins have now crashed directly into the Rezal Azir cards and the beginning of the city uh, and a whole bunch of new things introduced. So let's run down the list of these who are generally considered to be the nine key Iron Lords, and then we'll talk about the rest afterwards. And we'll come right out of the gate with Felwinter. <laughs> so something to mention, these new artifacts all have elementally aligned uh, perks like the current artifacts. If we're following tradition, it means that these elements reflect the nature of the guardian that wielded them. This is not confirmed. It's just our best guess. That's interesting. Do we know that they always roll with the perks that we've seen, or do we think they might be random? They don't roll, though, right? They're... They don't roll. They're static items. Okay. So, <clears throat> so Felwinter, he was a warlock. Uh, subclass is unclear, but we'll get to that in a minute. He rediscovered Felwinter Peak. It was thusly named after him. Uh, it's the location of the Iron Temple. As we've discussed prior, his weapon is Felwinter's Lie. It is a shotgun. He also has Felwinter's Iron Bond with the quote, such knowledge might be deemed offensive. That doesn't make it untrue. I'm with you, Felwinter. Uh, a quote from the roundtable is, Felwinter had a depth that people do not know about yet. The lie is just part of it. So there's more to Felwinter than just that aspect of him. Uh, his artifact is the memory of Felwinter. Uh, so I have two things here. There's I have descriptions that come from Game Informer and I have the actual items themselves. So um, memory of Felwinter. The symbol is two upside down swords crossed and then circled by laurels. It's similar to the Crucible logo, but upside down. The quote on it is, I accept the consequences, Felwinter. Its perk is called Felwinter's Covenant. You lose your super, but you gain one extra grenade and melee charge and small boosts to all stats. Orbs grant grenade and melee energy. Uh, and then the second perk is arc grenades have a chance to generate orbs of light when killing a minion of the darkness. So following in the tradition that arc or the perk is indicative of the type of warlock they were, this makes Felwinter uh, a Stormcaller. Or, as we discussed with Saladin, these all 
these lords all come from a time before what we consider this major subclasses to be of guardians. So he just may be straight warlock. He may not necessarily have an alignment, but arc may have been his thing given this. So then the Game Informer uh, article reads, The great enigma of the Iron Lords. Felwinter was an Iron Lord with good intentions, but sometimes questionable and unusual ways of interacting with the light. The Warlock discovered the mountaintop retreat that would become the Iron Lord's home. His artifact offers the most dramatic gameplay modifier. Lose your super, but gain an extra grenade and melee charge. Boost to all your stats and orbs. Recharge your grenade and melee abilities. Uh, That's so enticing. Isn't it? Unless that. it ruins Toilot, in which case I don't care. Yes. I was wondering <laughs> that too. Like, did your super charge and you just can't use it? Or does it never fill up? Because if it never fills up, you can't use Toilot. Yeah. Does it Brutal. remove the bar altogether? <laughs> so, and I think, has anybody, I don't, I've, there have been conflicting reports about double and triple grenades. And melee charges. Yeah, I've seen I've seen both. I don't I don't think we'll be definitive on that until uh, a few days from now. Yes. So yeah, I'm excited to learn more about Felwinter, and it seems like exactly what they said, like he was questionable and unusual ways of interacting with the light. So I've heard a lot of theories about what Felwinter's lie could be, and what I accept the consequences could mean. <clears throat> uh, but we won't know until we can read it. But if you're interested, we're good. Felwinter uh, and also his bananas memory of Felwinter artifact. Uh, next up, we have Silamar. Uh, as far as we know, he was a defender titan or he's definitely a quote unquote titan, but defense seems to be his thing. Uh, Similar's Wrath auto rifle, Similar's Iron Sash <clears throat> with the quote, Ward or fist, you cannot be broken. Uh, his artifact is the memory of Silmar, or Similar. Sorry, it's so close to similar. He's or Silmar. Then in all the artifacts, it's similar. Oh, I, I don't even know which one it is now. I have to look it up. It's Silmar. Silmar. S i l i m a r. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, I'll just do this right now. Do, 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 do. <laughs> uh, in any case, so memory of Silamar. Uh, the quote says, come, is there no one who can stand against the iron wall? To which I reply, that's not how walls work. <laughs> Silamar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was literally about to fix that and then I realized that's what you were reading. And like, you should have seen the way my hands flew away from my keyboard and I put them straight up in the air. There you go. <laughs> I love, I mean, I love this quote. It's really, because I can just imagine a bunch of people just like leaning against his wall. Like, yeah, no, there's plenty of people who can stand against the wall. What, what were your, <laughs> what were your hopes for it? Uh, come on, Silamar. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> the, the perk is called Silamar's Joust. In the Crucible, resistance to damage over time attacks is greatly increased. And then the perk is void grenades have a chance to generate an orb of light, which is why we sort of gave him the defender uh, nod. This this is the anti-thorn artifact. From Game Informer, uh, 
Silamar was proud, wrathful, and brilliant, and the architect of the Iron Temple that sits upon Fellwinter Peak. He was a defense-oriented titan, always looking for a way to offer better protection. As such, his artifacts provides a unique ward, the ability to dramatically reduce any damage inflicted through DOT effects. Uh, and there's a note here, it should be a welcome deterrence, especially since the infamous hand cannon Thorn is returning in year three. No matter how annoying Thorn is, it's not worth giving up an artifact slot for this thing. But that's just me. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, from his quote, it seems that Silmar doesn't quite know how walls work, therefore, <clears throat> it's no wonder the Iron Temple fell. <laughs> also yeah, well, when we talk architect too <laughs> when we talk a little bit later about the other iron lords wolves apprentices companions <laughs> and we're going to come back to him about the what kind of housing accommodations he provided them uh, <laughs> next up is yolder uh, yes it is pronounced yolder or at least all the writers pronounced it yolder uh, and she's a she She's a titan, probably of the striker orientation. Yolder's hammer, machine, heavy machine gun. <clears throat> Yolder's iron sash, uh, with the quote, you are, you are an army, a force unto itself. And then we'll bring that up again when we talk about Galeon. From the round table, Yolder is the character people will have an emotional connection to. Beauty and grace, she'll punch you in the face. <laughs> like Lancelot, she's more selfless than the others, and this will be shown in the story. I like that little poem. Yes. <laughs> she would have gotten along well with Waning. Yeah, very much. Uh, oh, did I mention what the the memory of Silmar? The uh, memory of Silmar is the Rise of Iron logo, the hands on the axe. Ah. <laughs> uh, Memory of Yolder, the symbol is the ironwood tree with two hand axes crossed in front of it. The quote is, if I am to die, let it be in battle with weapons in my hands and laughter in my heart, Lady Yolder. <clears throat> the perk is simply called Yolder's Joy, which is funny because I think they're trying to match the J's there, but then it's pronounced differently. <laughs> Yolder's Joy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is a big one we've talked about already removes the sprint cooldown penalty. Uh, and then arc melees have a chance to generate an orb of light. This is the artifact perk that caused the change to shoulder charge that happened in 2.4, the change, and also the change to the Mark 44 stand asides that we talked about on the exotic, uh, Titan exotic boots episode. So it's Yolda's fault. It's, it's all Yolda's fault. It's more like Yolda's kill yoy. <laughs> oh <laughs> I was just getting used to striker. Ruin my shoulder charge. <laughs> I know from the sound of it, it's still gonna be ridiculously powerful yeah. paired with yeah, this artifact. Be. This is the Titans never have to slow down artifact. Uh Game Informer says uh a particularly close companion of Saladin. Uh -huh. Yolder was a mighty Titan champion who bra ran bravely into battle without a second thought for her safety. Her artifact bears an ability that many players have longed for since the game's first launch, the ability to completely eliminate the sprint cooldown, allowing your guardian to ceaselessly charge ahead. Uh, I didn't want this for my Titan before. I want it now. Yeah. Because like it pretty much describes my Titan. There you go. Uh, ran bravely into battle. 
or stupidly. Is that a second oh, thought bummer. for own safety? Beauty and Grace punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a little sad face. that uh, that line about ceaselessly charging into battle is a Game Informer line and not a Bungie line. I know. Because that's almost a Dark Souls reference. <laughs> really? There's a boss called Ceaseless Discharge. Yeah. Dis- <laughs> Discharge, is, I believe his name was a striker melee perks. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say that then, just because you told me that was a reference. There you go. <laughs> we can never have this show and not have a Dark Souls reference. Good. <laughs> I think Bungie would want it that way. All right, next is Perun, uh, a hunter, and we're going to call her a blade dancer. Uh, Perun's fire, fusion rifle, and mantle of Perun. Uh, quote, your mar- oh, your mark be made by thunder's crack or lightning's strike. Uh, new artifact, of course, Memory of Perun. Uh, the symbol is the Iron Wolf in profile, although when it's on an emblem, it's called the Scar of Radagast. So, who knows what it belonged to. Uh, flavor text reads, I believe we hunt best in a pack. And the perk is Perun's Prowl. Enemy guardians with full supers and all enemies with low health are highlighted. Uh, arc precision kills have a chance to generate an orb. Uh, no word yet on whether or not it works through walls, <laughs> which would be kind of hacks. That'd be crazy. Uh, Game Informer says the field commander of the Iron Lords was a consummate strategist, and her situational awareness was beyond even her fellow hunters. If you bear her artifact in battle, uh, enemy guardians with full supers are highlighted yellow, and all enemies with low health are highlighted red for easy targeting. Uh, and that's Perun. What if you had the Felwinter's artifact, whatever it was, that gave you no super? I guess you wouldn't be highlighted. Oh, good call. That's kind of fun. I would assume it would be through walls. Otherwise, like, what's the point? On certain maps, it's like, if you don't see them through, if, if you can see them, they can see you and you're dead. So. I mean, this will be a crazy artifact. If you're in the crucible and you look down sights in your gun and you can see a guardian with a charged super across the map through walls or stuff, that's awesomely powerful. Mm. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, there's already scopes in the game that highlight targets with charged supers or low health enemies or enemies at, at, ideal firing distance i used one of those on uh, my hunter the signal signal ms5 scope i believe on my hung jury yeah the Amalon scope yeah yeah which is nice because you can throw smoke and then target your enemies through the smoke that's not dissimilar to having keen scout where if you damage someone it targets them or you zoom in on someone it targets them for a short while even through walls yes so it's it not huge advantage i think because it's like not as far as how other things you have in the game it's not like it's standalone as an advantage there are other things that let you do this to a certain degree true so it's not game breaking so good job perrin <laughs> uh, <laughs> next is scory uh warlock although i have her listed here 
as a void walker, which is very strange, and we'll talk about it in a moment. Uh, Scory's Revenge, Pulse Rifle. Scory's Iron Bond, quote, rise above so that you may lift those below. Uh, there's also a Warlock artifact currently in the game uh, called Scory's Dirge with the description, they say she's apart from the Iron Banner, yet she sings songs of her lost companions. Uh, present tense, not possible. <laughs> if Bungie PR is to be believed. Uh, from the round table, they literally say Scory is the battle bard, the storyteller. She wrote the Iron Song. She's, quote, one of the first recorders of history. Uh, and I have a note here that we mentioned Tyra Card, the cryptarch from the beginning, has that exact same title. So whether Scory had, was maybe awoken or had influence on the the burgeoning cryptarchy of the time uh, remains to be seen, but it's something to pay attention to. Her artifact is the memory of Scory. Uh, the symbol is two wolves howling underneath the ironwood tree. The quote reads, The astral orb slung low across the sky. Beneath it raised, we lords our banner high. Lady Scory. And the perk is Scory's Harmony. When your super is full, nearby ally supers recharge faster. So that could also be something for Sunsingers running Playlock to enjoy. It sort of allows another sort of support ability to a class that is generally considered to be one of those. Although I just play it like a bomb factory. <laughs> but then it has a void. Yes, arc. then void precision kills have the chance to generate an orb when killing a minion of the darkness. So if we're following this trend of applying the perk element to the the guardian who it's named after, that makes Scory a void walker, not a sun singer. Is this why there's that warlock artifact, that damned loot? Yeah. <laughs> Just the bard. Hey, hey. I love that. That's what it's called. I know. <laughs> I said nothing bad against it. I think it's awesome you're carrying a loot around in battle. I know. It's the best. Sadly, my role on it is not the best, so I rarely equip it anymore. But I have two of them, actually. Yeah, I have three of them. This makes me think of the... Um... They can roll really high stats. <laughs> always, with the artifacts, I always try and think of how you would actually carry them in in combat like okay you get a necklace or a wristband thing or something like that and it's just imagine warlocks running around with loots yeah. like playing them and it makes me think of um like monty python and the holy grail every time they're like brave brave sir robin and the whole time like you're going through the king's fall <laughs> there's that yeah. well, warlock in the back and you're like shut up man <laughs> well so let's well, let's talk about that. Something that the writers mentioned about fifty eight thousand times in their roundtable was that they were trying to echo sort of this medieval knights of the roundtable feel. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to the Iron Lords, and ever since they've been saying things like that, I've thought the same thing. It's going to be more like Monty, Monty Python, and the whole, <laughs> that is what we're getting ourselves into. I got to watch I'm that sorry. now again. On second thought, let's not go to Phil Winters. It is a silly place. <laughs> I mean, it will be full of dancing guardians. Yes. And all kinds of shenanigans. 
<laughs> Once we all get our full sets of like armor with this, can we please make a Knights of the Round Table parody in Four Winters? Absolutely. I want somebody to follow <laughs> me around and just make the noise of my sparrow while I pretend to run. <laughs> I just want to know who's going to do the full machinima reenactment of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going it to happen. Can we do that? <laughs> if we don't well, do I it, just... I want to help whoever does do it. Probably dumb, but yeah. I mean, with movie of the week right there, right? Yes. <laughs> the week. <laughs> movie of the year. Uh, so. Okay, so the round table says Scory's the battle bard. The battle bard. She's the bard. She's the singer. She sings the Iron Song. She inspires her teammates. If you've played any kind of role-playing game in the history of all of video games, you know what a bard does. Here's what Game Informer has to say. If Radagast echoes the legends of Arthur, then Scory is Merlin. This legendary battle bard and warlock inspired her allies with songs and wisdom. Guardians who follow in her footsteps use her artifact to glow with inspiring light that speeds up super recharge for allies. Merlin was not a bard. <laughs> well, I think everything it, you just described just was a sun singer. Yeah, it could just also. mean the the support sidekick in that respect. Merlin was not From, a support sidekick. No, no, no. But like the relationship between Arthur and Merlin in that way, like I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to see how they could make that like how that could fit. Are you thinking like the movie Excalibur or are you thinking like the sword and the stone? I don't even know. <laughs> I'm trying to make it work for these guys. I I'm going so to jump off the wall and yell, Archimedes, help! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could Scory turn me into a squirrel? I hope so. Or a fish. <laughs> a yeah, shrimp. I have to watch Sword and the Stone too. A shrimp, yes. You're going to get turned into a shrimp, and then X-Ray is going to devein you. <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to come across, this next one we're going to talk about seems much more like Merlin than Scory. <clears throat> That's Teemer. Uh, I'll read everything about Teemer, and you're going to say, wow, Voidwalker, but maybe not. Teemer's Lash, the hand cannon. Uh, Teemer's Iron Bond, which reads, Only those forged in light can stand against the lurking shadows. The memory of Teemer, which we talked about once before, it has the Airbender logo on it. Three swords. <laughs> Accept it. That's what it is. Um, and the quote reads, Ask strange questions. Our questions shape the reality that answers them. Teemer. Uh, and I wonder if Seth Dickinson wrote that, because it seems right up his alley. <laughs> I got uh, the perk is called Teemer's Demons. Melee attacks on minor minions of the darkness have the chance to temporarily turn the target against its allies. Yes. And the other perk is Solar Melees have a chance to generate an orb of light when killing a minion of the darkness. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll read what Game Informer has to say, and then we'll debate heavily between Scory and Teemer. Game Informer says, creepy and misunderstood, Teemer's warlock's powers and demeanor almost recall those of a controlling necromancer. Guardians willing to flirt with the shadows can take up Teemer's artifact and transform their melee attack, giving it a chance to turn low-power minions of darkness into allies. These 
enemy creatures fight at your side, turning their weapons on confused fellow aliens. Another melee a few seconds later puts them back in their right mind, or the effect expires after 30 seconds. I want that so bad. There are some hilarious videos online of this thing being used. <laughs> it sounds like so much fun. It's going to be so dumb, and I cannot wait. <laughs> I just want to go make all the Taken captains be on my side. Just blind all my enemies, please. I, I just want to send an army of shanks to their death. <laughs> Or I want to go into the stills and melee every single thrall I see <laughs> oh, and then drag them all the way to Crota. <laughs> if only. I mean, you can't get there in about 30 seconds, so. Uh, or I want to hit all the thrall and then do the thriller dance and make the thrall dance with me. <laughs> Isn't that for the radiant dance machines? Isn't that the new perk on that? There you go. The radiant <laughs> you make dance everything dance around you. <laughs> plus memory of teamer, you can make all the thrall dance. <laughs> Can you imagine that, that one night that guards that one lamp? You come running out of the darkness. He's like, I'm going to get this guardian. And there's like 40,000 thraller behind you all like dancing their way towards him. <laughs> I just what? picture them like walking with the, the clicking the fingers like the, <laughs> the gang. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all coming up like clicking your fingers. And then Crota's watching cartoons and Iryu is like, you've, you've got to look at the closed circuit. This is out of control. He's like, leave me alone. My show's not over yet. Good job, uh, don't interrupt me while I'm making YouTube videos. <laughs> yes. So there you go. This very much seems like Teamer's more aligned with Voidwalker and Scory more aligned with Sunsinger, but the two are reversed. As far as we know, maybe they'll change them at the end, but they'll realize their egregious error and correct it before th things go live. <laughs> Technically tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we have two and a half left, uh, or two and one-tenth of one left. <laughs> Radagast, uh, from what we know, Titan, possibly Sunbreaker. Radagast Fury, rocket launcher. His quote reads, stand in the fire until there is nothing left to burn away, with the note, see Ephrodite. So we'll talk about Ephrodite. Uh, there's an artifact already in the game with his name on it, Radagast Blade. Uh, so long as this sword was whole, the Iron Banner could not be broken. The artifact is a broken sword. He also has an emblem named after him, the Scar of Radagast, which is that classic wolf's head profile we talked about. Uh, the memory of Radagast, the symbol is silver as a sword uh, encircled by a laurel wreath. And that is because of what it does. So the quote reads, Our lives are longer than our own. We have sworn them in service to the traveler and to humanity. Uh, Lord Radagast. And the perk is Radagast's fealty. Gain the ability to reflect energy-based projectiles when guarding with a sword and increased ammo capacity. Uh, and then solar grenades have a chance to generate an orb of light. Give me this right now. Yes, please. <laughs> I would take it just for increased sword ammo. That's true. That's the ability to deflect hilarious things like Nova Bomb, which I believe there's a video of already online. <laughs> uh, golden Gun and all other manner of hammers. Uh, give me this. I, I imagine myself never taking this thing off. <laughs> I, I live by the sword. Uh, and I can't wait to use this thing. Uh, 
But let's talk about what Game Informer says, because without more thorough testing, it's confusing what it actually does. Game Informer says, <clears throat> Described as the first among equals, Radagast the Titan was the King Arthur of the group and strode into battle with a mighty sword in hand. His artifact adds a new ability for sword-heavy weapons, letting you reflect, this is a direct quote, energy-based projectiles, including everything from an ogre's blast to a crucible opponent's rocket. What? I would love to know how a crucible opponent's rocket is an energy-based projectile. Maybe there's a new Amalan rocket launcher. It's a super soaker. <laughs> it's a water balloon cannon. Kinetic energy? Yeah, I mean, energy's energy. I mean, it's... Yeah, maybe it just means anything. <laughs> Cannot be created or destroyed. And if it lets you literally reflect anything, I'm looking forward to also deflecting grenades back at people. That's going to be hilarious. <laughs> uh, Here's the question. Can you use it to ricochet a sleeper simulant? Oh, man, I hope so. It would have Because you could set up, like, a whole... Like one of those uh, mirror light reflecting things. You just get a whole bunch of guardians with this and you try and shoot it as far as possible. It's like, okay, angle yourself like this and then you're like... Things that are going to happen in private matches. <laughs> It'd be a little lackluster, though, if it just deflect, if it just caused it to ricochet. So it blocked it when it's supposed to deflect it back at them, right? Yeah, it needs to go straight back at them. Yeah, That'd it needs be the to go best. the exact same line. Well, I guess in one of the videos, uh, when it deflected a Nova bomb... It was a straight mirror right back to the person who threw the Nova bomb. So here's to hoping that everything goes straight back to its sender. <laughs> It'd be awesome as if uh, shoot a sleeper from like really far away and run and then it shoots back and you can see this curved trajectory that follows them. <laughs> like, a, like the way a rocket tracks. Yeah, so I don't remember. Like, Did, it, did they say if it's a tracking rocket, will it then reverse the tracking to the... To the shooter? <laughs> it just keeps turning around and reflecting off the sword. No, like, if you if it hits the sword, will it then track the, the person, person who fired it? it? I like yeah. to think the missile just turns around in midair and goes back at the sword, hits it again, bounces off, starts its <laughs> start trajectory back, turns around again, and just it's like an infinite loop until the sword runs out of ammo. Uh, it it seemed... Doesn't this take a chunk of ammo? Yeah, it takes a chunk of ammo to do this, so... And it takes more depending on how strong the blast is, yeah. right? Shot at you. And if you don't have enough ammo, it basically consumes all the ammo and still kills you. <laughs> well, I learned I learned the hard way last night in a match with X-Ray that the sword will not block Golden Gun. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Yet. Yet. It's <laughs> a temporary problem. 1v1 is actually very fun. It's so much fun. <laughs> All right, last one, Galleon. Uh, potentially a night stalker, but definitely a hunter. So the mantle of uh, Galleon's demise, the scout rifle, uh, the mantle of Galleon, you're an army, a force unto yourself, which is the same quote as Yolder. Uh, the memory of Galleon uh, is, is the stag head with uh, the third eye and the four antlers, which is the same as the iron pride emblem. And we now know that is the... Uh, Galian symbol, which will make sense when we read this perk. So the quote reads, so long as we actually manage to do some good, you can call me iron anything you want, <laughs> Lord Galian. Uh, and the perk is called Galian's Wit, grants detailed radar, and radar persists when sighting with primary weapons. Uh, his perk is, the other perk is void precision kills. 
So, quick note, funny line, perk is called Galian's Wit. Here's what Game Informer has to say. The hunter named Galian may have been a sullen pessimist, <laughs> but few doubted his assessments of situations on the ground, no matter how dire. Guardians that wield his artifact gain detailed radar at all times, and radar persists when aiming primary weapons. So they said he's a sullen pessimist, but everything points to him being a funny, quippy hunter. So hopefully we'll find out. That's probably like some titans or something saying that. <laughs> they just don't understand hunter humor. <laughs> Is anybody except for hunters, though? Do uh, hunters yeah, have no, humor? Really. I prefer it. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. See? The warlock. Yeah. <laughs> Keep thinking that. It's cool. Ah. <laughs> uh, if you're keeping track at home, that's only eight of nine Iron Lords. Uh, there's a good reason for that. Because uh, one of them is really dead. That's Seagoth. No, wait, it's not Seagoth. Oh. There was no mention whatsoever of Seagoth in the round table. Uh, this is referring to the item Seagoth's head. Uh, it has a quote by Galleon about fighting the darkness, not themselves. All signs point to Seagoth being an Iron Lord who dies somewhere along the line. Maybe by accident, but there was no mention of him at all. So, sorry, Seagoth, your your memory, your helmet will live on Eris's table forever. <laughs> <laughs> the ninth iron, the real ninth iron lord is Ephrodite, and she's got a totally different story uh, that we discovered through this round table, and she is going to be one of the ones to watch out for as we play through Rise of Iron. So we know she was a hunter, but since she has no memory, we don't know what elements aligned with her. Her weapon of choice was the sniper rifle, uh, Ephrodite's spear. She also has a cloak, the mantle of Ephrodite, which is stand in the fire until there is nothing left to burn away, which uh, I mentioned earlier was the exact same as who's Radagast's. Uh, there's also an item in-game currently related to her, uh, an artifact, Ephrodite's Eye, which reads, every time she pulled the trigger, an enemy of the city died. So, Ephrodite was a complete badass. Also One of the, the source of either the best or worst pun in history from the round table. Correct. <laughs> uh, so, speaking of that round table, here's the big bomb they dropped on us. Ephrodite is still alive. She is, quote, and this is where some confusion is going to arise, but they literally said uh, she is an Iron Lord who is physically in the present. They refer to her as an Iron Lord. That means that all the PR spin about Saladin being the last Iron Lord is completely (laughs) false and untrue. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There are, in fact, two Iron Lords currently Uh, who exist in whatever our timeline. I was looking for ways to justify that. They literally said she is an Iron Lord who is physically in our present. (laughs) There's really no way around that. She's an an Iron Lady. Because they called him Lady when the other ones... No. (laughs) Well, originally... (laughs) Like Scory, Lady Scory. She's the Iron Lady, so Saladin's the last Iron Lord. Amazing. 
See, I originally thought, so in the round table, they talked about how, we'll get to this, that Efferty has sort of left the Iron Lords to pursue a different path. And I thought, oh, well, that's a good loophole. She's technically not an Iron Lord because she went to go do something else. But then they said she is an Iron Lord. So I don't know. Mysteries. Yeah. I'm going to stick with my theory that it's Iron Lady and that's why, and it's justified. (laughs) All right. So... I guess we should start, start referring to them as the Iron Lords and Ladies. The Iron is, uh, the Iron Court. Mm. Wow. Now it's really Camelotti. Oh, yeah. Do they have a round table, though? That is my question. There better be a round table in well, the, the room. Temple. Yeah, the room with all the statues in it is round. Maybe there's a table in the middle of the room. They can't be knights of the round statue room. Maybe there's a table in the middle of the room. Oh, okay, that's true. Oh, is the tree in the middle? Yeah. Mm. Mm. I mean, they had to eat dinner somewhere, right? (laughs) Silamar. Do they? We we need the blueprints of the Iron Temple from Silamar to find out where the (laughs) restrooms and dining hall are. Please tell me there's a table. Please tell me it's round. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so like I said, this all means the spin about Salome, the last of the Iron Lords, is complete and utter garbage. Uh, Ephrodite is alive. Uh, Quote, Ephrodite is back now. Uh, She came back. She was once disappeared, but she has come to terms with her past and and tragedy in a way that Saladin has not. Uh, They they didn't talk about why she separated from the Iron Lords in the roundtable, so hopefully we'll find that out via cinematics in-game. They specifically mentioned cinematics involving Ephrodite. Uh... But she returns uh, part of a group of guardians. So this is a new faction or group of guardians or whatever. Part of a new group of guardians who are interested in using the light in ways other than combat. Uh, She's ready to close the book on this part of her life. So she's done being a combatant uh, and wants to move on to use her powers to do other things. So that's super interesting. Uh, we don't know what faction that is. We don't know if it's one that exists already in the game or a whole new one. But that's something to pay close attention to. Uh, they made a, a lot of points that she is very different from Saladin. And they used the word younger a lot. Uh, she said she has attitude and strong headed. She's younger. But that doesn't really mean anything when you're an immortal space zombie. So what does younger mean? And something that Scooby and I meant were talking about was the fact that she may be physically a kid. Like all the guardians that we see are like big burly men and women. There's like no kids. But if you were a kid raised by a ghost, cause you happen to be strong with the light that could give you a completely different perspective on this sort of like infinite war that's happening and all the death and destruction and the collapse, like a completely different perspective on all this just by being young when you woke up or when you were resurrected. There's like a whole episode there. I mean, re- re- right. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> we don't, we don't retain any of our previous lives. So you'd be raised as a kid, but you'd be exactly like everyone else from like a, an emotional and everything standpoint. like Yeah, but people may not treat you that way. Well, I mean, if she is physically younger, uh, that could mean that she is like, I don't want to say weaker, but, you know, 
less capable for like hand-to-hand combat sort of thing, which might be why she specializes in a sniper to stay out of the combat. But I think I don't take that as physically. It could be that, but it could also be that she's just younger in her like attitude. Like she's more naive. She hasn't seen as much sort of thing. Like if if she sees Sal- everything. Saladin, well, she's no, if Saladin she's is she's hundreds of years old. <laughs> yeah. No, but the way she acts, that sort of thing. Like if if Saladin acts like the crotchety old man then she could be just younger in her attitude and her, her behavior. Her demeanor. Yeah. So she might be petulant? Great. It's going to be interesting to see. <laughs> I, just keep, I keep thinking of the... Uh, attitude and strong-headed. I keep thinking of the vampire from... Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They, yeah, well, yeah. I think of interview the movie, with the vampire. Interview with the vampire, yeah, yeah that uh, yeah. Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt... I think of the movie Hannah. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh, Hannah's really good. But yeah, it's about yeah, I've like seen a, that. Hannah's Hannah's a good one. So, but she, usually when that a character is cast like that, they're super mature. They just have the body of a a child or young person. But they very specifically call out that her attitude is much different. So yeah, yeah, which is why uh, I'm thinking like it's just her behavior is younger, not necessarily like. I don't know. And I mean, younger in comparison to Saladin doesn't necessarily mean they act like a kid either. Yeah. Saladin's all grumpy and quiet. (laughs) It's interesting. We've talked about this in past episodes, too, about when using language like generations or younger or older, it's it doesn't carry the weight for a guardian that it would for us. I mean, you're again, you're an immortal space zombie. What does older or younger even mean? So, so she's one to absolutely watch out for. They confirmed she will have her own series of cinematics. So interacting with Ephrodite will be its own thing. So I'm I'm dying to find out what the story is with Ephrodite. And then I'm sad that we don't have a memory of Ephrodite artifact that restores wall hack rounds to your sniper rifle, gives you always on <laughs> radar, and removes all flinch from sniper rifles. <laughs> gives you final round and kills with the body shot. <laughs> Every round is final round. <laughs> <laughs> it just gives you a single round sniper with final just, round on it. Yeah. Oh. Amazing. <laughs> uh, and outlaws, outlaw speed reload. <laughs> there you go. A one shot sniper that always that has final round and outlaw. <laughs> I just never play Crucible ever again. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be the new effort you'd spear. That would be him. Amazing. All right, so that's all the Iron Lords. Uh, In our original episode, we talked about the possibility of there being a second faction, the Iron Wolves. This is because a lot of items in the game and a lot of text separately refer to the Iron Wolves as their own uh, sort of proper uppercase group and the Iron Lords as their own proper uppercase group. And then we received a whole bunch of new weapons related to Finala, Hakon, Deidris, Waylorin, Ashraven, Bretomart, Tormund, Colavance, and Nerwin, whose pulse rifle X-ray keeps killing me with. Uh, <laughs> he's mean. It just uh, kills stuff. I don't know. Yeah. 
made me you made me break out the hopscotch pilgrim <laughs> in our in our match. Yeah. Uh, so it's so it's not it's not no one's mercy. It's no one's mercy rule. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so the belief was that these nine represented the Iron Wolves, a different faction than the Iron Lords. Perhaps they were. We thought there's a bunch of different ideas we talked about. Perhaps they were the squires to the lords, given this whole Arthurian legend thing. Perhaps they were like the same way that Saladin trained Shax and Zavala. Maybe they're being trained individually by their respective Iron Lords, so on and so forth. Uh, in the roundtable, the writers said flat out, quote, Iron Wolves is another name for Iron Lords. Uh, quote, there have been many Iron Lords, many Knights of the Round Table. And quote, there were more Knights at the Round Table than just the ones we hear about. That was a huge reveal. Uh, and it also pretty much means that these nine names have been swept under the rug. Uh, they are not the Iron Wolves. Iron Wolves is another word for Iron Lords. But the Iron Lords that we're dealing with are only the quote-unquote original nine. And that these nine, who all have weapons named after them, are now lost to the annals of time. Who knows? There's a possibility we could still see them in the game somehow during this expansion. Please keep your eyes open for them, lest their memory be forgotten. Although Saladin <laughs> doesn't seem to really care about them at all. Uh, only the original nine are the ones that he cares about. So, so like I said, uh, this is a significant reveal that occurred during the roundtable in reaction to a question about Fenala Hakon at all. Uh, who are commonly believed to be the Iron Wolves, a group similar to but different than the Iron Lords. So if this is the case, why the heavy use of the, the term Nine Iron Lords uh, and the exclusive focus on just these originals? Why not say 18 Iron Lords? Or as Gabel mentioned earlier, why not say the hundreds of Iron Lords? Uh, and then referring back to Silmar. Is there another room in Fellwinter Peak that has another Ironwood tree and nine other statues uh, for this group? Uh, and it seems like Fenala and company were completely ignored in order to merge the wolves and the lords into one unit. Uh, the two emblems, Sigil of the Iron Lords and the Ironwood tree, are identical except for their color. One was your one, one was your two. Uh, Sigil is green, tree is brown. The Iron Pride emblem from year two is an image of the four-antlered stag, though we now don't know this to be the symbol of Galien. Uh, and speaking of Galien, we're going to bring up Seagoth again. So if there were nine at the start, who is Seagoth from the Warlock artifact, Seagoth's head? Uh, the flavor text, the actual flavor text is, thought we formed the banner to fight the darkness, not ourselves. Just don't bode well is all I'm saying. That's a tribute to Galien. Uh, the artifact itself is a Titan helmet with the Ironwood symbol on it, which looks just like uh, Saladin's helmet. And it also looks just like the uh, helmet on Eris's little table. Uh, and then this is also eerie since Galien's weapon from Iron Banner is Galien's demise. So, yeah. There was a ton of Iron Lords. We're, they're just focusing on these original nine, and it seems like we'll probably never hear from 
hack on Nerwin and his crew, their crew, ever again, which is very unfortunate. I'd love to know more about them. I think everybody's wanted to know more since they were first introduced in year two. But my new theory is that when you get to the Iron Temple, all the wolves have little collars on and on their little name tags uh, are these names. (laughs) They are the literal Iron Wolves. I was thinking that as well. What if the Iron Wolves are the wolves? (laughs) Yeah. They're just honorary lords. Yeah, exactly. Then I I was trying to picture like a wolf using a sniper and it got funny. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's, well, that, I mean, it's it's Bradermart's food stand, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You get the food stand. Tormund. Different. A bellow was like a howl, so that's fine. <laughs> Cole Cole is, tennis ball. It's literally Colavance's duty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, could have gone with like he was trained. Nope. And he had a job. Nope. Uh, we would do yeah, with a duty you know, joke. Walk around the tower with a little, or the <laughs> temple with a little dog bag. Oh, Colavance. Clean up Colavance's duty. <laughs> oh, dear. And those are the Iron Wolves. Uh, <laughs> all right, so that's that's the big stuff. We're going to cover two more quick things, uh, and then hopefully you'll finish this episode. By the time you finish this episode, You'd be mere hours away from Rise of Iron dropping uh, and playing through and answering all these questions. We're 25 hours and 19 minutes away from that point, right? Oof. I think that's what it is. Isn't it 2 a.m. my time? Yeah, it's 2 a.m. 2 a.m. my time. Oh, shoot. Okay. So 29 hours. There you go. By the time people are hearing this, it's going to be even less. Way less. Some more things to watch out for uh, and possible inconsistencies because I can never have an episode where I don't point out inconsistencies. Uh, it is confirmed that the new grimoire will expand on how the Iron Lords formed. So, again, look out for maybe mentions of Hakon and Nerwin and, and those folks in that. Uh, we know Six Fronts is where the Iron Lords became legend, but Six Fronts has been thrown into a chronological quagmire along with the faction wars since the introduction of the Rezal Azir cards. There's a current implication that Six Fronts was the battle that ended the faction wars and the catalyst for the transformation of Risen into Guardians. Uh, The Battle of Six Fronts itself was the first major battle in the history of the city, uh, named because Guardians had to hold down six entries to their new city against the forces of darkness, which we now know to be actually the combined forces of the Fallen. Uh, Or, according to the Rezal Azir cards, that's what they are. Uh, the Titan symbol is based on the four of the Titans. It held the six lines. During the roundtable, they said six fronts is a very important part of the fabric of the Rise of Iron story. Uh, they also directly said when the city was just being built, there were Iron Lords. Uh, and also there was an era of lawlessness after the Traveler imparted their light. And there needed to be a reaction to that, and the Iron Lords were the ones that stepped up and said, We're here for a purpose, a noble duty. They're the precursors to the Guardians, though they had different struggles and conflicts, including the Civil War and the Warlords. This is literally the exact reading of the first Rezal Azir card, but Rezal Azir is never mentioned in the lore of the Iron Lords, nor are the Iron Lords ever mentioned the Rezal Azir cards. Uh, 
And again, when the city was just being built, there were Iron Lords. So why did the Iron Lords not stop the faction wars when they had the chance? They were the gravest threat to humanity at the time. Uh, there's a lot of questions here. The Rezal Azir cards created a huge gaping hole in the lore. They're trying to fill part of it now with the Iron Lords lore, but a lot of these things don't line up. Uh, we will be digging through the Grimoire extensively to get these questions answered. Uh, but pay attention to this stuff when you're playing through because according to Rezal Azir, six fronts could have been the battle that happened that ended the faction wars that caused the Risen to decide to become guardians. But six fronts already had established orders of titans and the vanguard and the speaker so that it couldn't have happened that close to one another. So... I'm really hoping Rise of Iron sheds some light on this because right now it's a it's a mess in the chronology. Uh, we know that the Dark Ages were a murky time, but there was so many quotes from the round table that just didn't line up with what we know. Uh, it was said that the Iron Lords were, quote, the first ghost havers to use their powers in service of the light. Again, that directly conflicts with the Rezalizir card. Uh, they also talked about the warlords. They said the warlords had ghosts and ruled as quasi-gods. The Iron Lords thought that was wrong, and there was early conflict between the Iron Lords and the warlords. Warlords are mentioned on the City Age Grimoire card, and personally, I like the idea that there were some not-so-benevolent resurrected or risen out there who just was just like, hey, cool, I'm immortal and super powerful. This is now my fiefdom and you <laughs> for me. Uh, I get it. That's that's awesome. That would be a great thing to revisit. And it's a cool it's a cool little thing to inject there into the lore. But to say that the Iron Lords became who they were to sort of as like the opposite, the philosophical opposite to the warlords just doesn't mesh with anything we know so far. It's I'm really hoping this gets straightened out because it's it's making a mess of my beautiful timeline. Uh, <laughs> and I want it to all make sense. Uh, this confirms the Iron Lords were our Risen and or Guardians, or at least some variation thereof. Uh, there was a lot of doubt during E3 because of Deej's comments and the fact that Saladin had no ghost uh, and that flies in the face of Karn Parts of the Grimoire. So far, we have not seen any Iron Lord with ghosts. So that's, again, something to pay attention to. Uh, where is Saladin's ghost? Where is Yolder or Perun's? The, and we see them in the cutscenes. Where are their ghosts? Uh, there's a possibility that Rezal Azir is an Iron Lord, and they didn't want to spoil it early, but it stands in contrast to what we know from the Grimoire, unless they were present but unmentioned during those cards. They mentioned the factions were a way to manage government, which doesn't necessarily line up with what we know about the brutality and oppression of the early factions and how they employed the Risen. Uh, a big point was made about this, that base human natures came bubbling back to the top as survivors of the collapse came together. We've talked about that in the past. Uh, but if the darker human nature is rising, are the factions really a form of government? Or are they just like collections of people with similar ideologies? 
So, again, hoping we get a deep look into this and it all gets sorted out. But right now, it's so many crossed threads that it's it's tough to keep track of. Uh, what are, what is the note that I have here? Oh. <clears throat> Oh, this is so the Iron Lords formed Drunkward, an era of lawlessness to the Traveler and part of their light, and were needed to be a reaction to that. And the Iron Lords are the ones that stepped up. But on the year two Iron Banner items, it says, In our darkest hour, nine Iron Wolves emerged from the ruins. Under a red dawn, the Iron Wolves gathered beneath the Iron Wood, and beneath its branches, the Iron Wolves forged an unbreakable oath. So that means that this era of lawlessness after the Traveler imparted light upon them, that was mankind's darkest hour. Uh, where the previous belief was that mankind's darkest hour was during that first major battle where the Fallen showed up to try and exterminate us and the Iron Lords then formed this pact then. Uh, so it's shifting this darkest hour to a different time that is not Six Fronts. So yeah, who knows? Uh, so these are all things to, to pay attention to while you're playing through. And then this last section of the show, which has already gone on way too long. Uh, but hey, it's something to listen to. Uh, lingering questions from the Taken King. Uh, there's a couple of quick ones here. The Taken Champions card. Uh, we talked about this card in the Dead Orbit episode about the implications of this guy who seemed to break off Dead Orbit and Dead Orbit sent assassins after him. He has killed all the assassins and now idealizes the Taken uh, and Oryx and this final truth and final shape. We've heard nothing about this guy or girl or what he's or she is up to. This This person is poised to, especially now with Malak out of the picture, this is somebody who is actively seeking to fill the void of Oryx. Uh, and we don't know anything about him or her. I feel like that card specifically was like so hotly debated in our Slack for like six straight weeks. Yep. And then it just went away and everybody kind of forgot about it. But yeah. So this person's still out there. Maybe they'll be tied into the, the new Thorn. Who knows? Uh Experiments on the Taken in the Reef. So we've got we had a couple of cards during uh, the Malak phase that talked about the the Awoken and the Tekians experimenting on the Taken, possibly to create weapons from them. So the Tekians are working on some sinister things, and then also, as we've been pointed out in this transmission thing that the Techians are assisting with the uh, transmission might outbreak. So that's something that stays current or relevant. So, man, this transmission might episode is going to be huge. <laughs> I know. It's just been like a couple of days. It's just all gone, like, so much info. Oh, so, yeah, like an hour ago, there was a new one that came out, and yeah. it was it was a good one. It was a big one. Oh, oh man. Yeah. So time to fire up the new dock or the dock. <laughs> uh-huh. 23 pages. It's <laughs> crazy. All right. Some last lingering questions here. Uh, the status of the royal family. In the round table, 
uh, it, somebody specifically said, wow, I don't remember the queen ever getting killed. Uh, so it was taken as a kind of confirmation that Marasov is still alive. I don't think any of us thought that she was actually dead. Uh, but she's still floating around out there. The prince is still floating around out there looking for Mara. Petra is currently the regent of the reef, but there's no member of the royal family in place. So whether the Techians are really in charge or Petra is really in charge or, as Sherb pointed out in the pre-show, Variks right now has incredible influence and power. Uh, he's actively searching for the Kell of Kells with the assistance of the crows. Uh, so the crows are working for Variks. That's enormous. And we know from House of Wolves that Variks is building his own servitor. Uh, he has got what are the uh, the ether must flow. What's the thing we bring to him to get the old exotics? Man, this stuff is going right in my head. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. Elder sigil. The elder right. sigil. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the queen sigil. He's got the elder sigil. Varix is poised to be a big player when it comes to the Fallen. And this next expansion deals exclusively with them. Elder Cipher. Cipher. Sorry, Sigil is the thing you get to go to challenge the Elders. Elder Elder Cipher is the thing that controls the flow of Aether and can make you a Kel. There we go. Okay. Or make, you know, Varix or someone of Varix is choosing a Kel. And then the Harbinger Seed that was placed on the Dreadnought. Uh, The Dreadnought still represents a huge question mark in the Destiny universe. Uh, there's still billions of entombed species there and creatures and hive and are the daughters really dead? Ear uh, Anuk and Ear Halak, like there's just tons of unanswered questions when it comes to uh, what happened with the Taken King. So, Yeah, and I mean, the area we explore on the Dreadnought is barely scratching the surface of yeah. the whole ship. Especially if it's like the sword realm, whatever, flipped inside out. It, oh, yeah. It's the inside like, out throne world. Yeah, yeah. Whatever day they have their celebration. Um, Eversion <laughs> day. Like, Eversion day. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's take a holiday. Um, yeah, it's like what it could be infinite. <laughs> yeah. Like, who knows? So I don't know if we're going to ever explore more of the Dreadnought, but it would be cool to. Yes, it would. So, all right. Yeah, the only other things that I have here, there's some quotes from the roundtable. We won't interact with most Iron Lords, which makes sense since they're all dead or were written out of existence. Uh, They, I mean, this isn't about the roundtable, but they sort of acknowledge that there was a huge number of rewrites and a lot of the writers are new uh, and things like that, so. So there you go. Also, the story of rebuilding Gallarhorn. We'll we'll get that question answered as well. But in any case, there, that was a whole bunch of information. And even if you only listen to 5% of it, you should be really hyped for (laughs) Rise of Iron. It's it's not going to be huge, but the potential for significant impacts is enormous. 
uh, I don't know about you, but I've been consuming every possible piece of footage or spoiler or anything because I'm just. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the only thing I'm going to stay blind on is is the raid. Anything else, give it to me. Dude, in that last trailer that has all six guardians standing in a line and then that diamond shaped light comes on in the ceiling. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, the raid's a whole other thing. We'll we'll see what the lore behind the raid is, too. So. Yes, I'm first. trying to go in as blind as I can while also people be picking apart all the info on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to know all the things. It's like, I want to know all the things, but only the things I have to know. <laughs> <laughs> I will find out the rest later. So... That's that. So, Gabble, you're planning to run the raid blind? Yeah. On day of? Day of. What about you, X-Ray? Uh, I, I don't know. It'd be fun to do it blind. Um, but I also don't mind spoilers. <laughs> so I don't have a team. I, I haven't talked to anyone about putting a team together, so I don't have anyone to run with. So I'll be uh, scrounging over the weekend probably to find someone to run with. But I'm actually, I just realized I'm I'm off Friday and not even by, not because what? of the game. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I took that day off because I have a, a homecoming parade in the early afternoon I have to go to. Oh, right when the raid releases. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> Whoops, you might accidentally be sick for that. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'll still, uh, I'll still be off the whole day. That'll be nice. I can get in and mess around with uh, other stuff. So, yeah, my crew is my crew is ready to go. We've got we've got factions edge. We've got plans made. We've got we're just ready to get in and start playing. Oh, wow. I want to run the raid blind, but I don't have a team. <laughs> I'm just going to like, oh, well, someone wants me. I'll, I'll join in. It's going to be a good time. All right, everyone. Well, that's. That's our Iron Lords sort of like update and, and things to look forward to. I am absolutely sure uh, that once we've gotten in and played and, and got the grimoire in our hands and able to read it and dissect it, we will come back with a huge actual iron update. Uh, and then we'll talk about transference or transmission. We'll talk about the raid. We'll talk about all the events that happened during Rise of Iron. We'll talk about all these answers hopefully the questions that we just asked on this episode we'll probably be taking a week off be taking a week off from the podcast so we can actually sit down and play the game <laughs> imagine uh, that i know but the good news is now <laughs> we have a website so even if we're not recording a show per se next week we can have we're going to have all kinds of content that, like whether we're writing about things we'll i'll make sure things get spoiler tags but i don't care about spoilers um, <laughs> i've got a i've got an idea since we're we don't really need to we're not going to record um but we most of us have this slot on our calendar to get together maybe we should all get together and do some stuff and we could maybe stream like play it. the game yeah yeah Next next Sunday, maybe do a, a Twitch stream at about our normal 10 o'clock time. Sure. And we can grab a couple more people and maybe even mess around with the, the raid a little bit. The ra- Or some private matches? Yeah. Come come shoot the DGS team? Whatever, <laughs> oh, whatever we want to do. Ghost Stories Bounty? Yeah, Ghost Stories Bounty. There we go. I got a ringer. 
That would be, you know what? That'd be great. Some private <laughs> matches. We could get an extra eight people in here, and from the from the Slack chat or from just listeners out there who want to want to run and do some fun stuff. Yeah, I'm down. Cool. Yeah, I'm down. Let's for do that. it. So if you're listening and want to get in on it, let us know. We might have to rotate people in and out a little bit if we get enough interest. But uh, if not, we might have to have you bring your friends along so we have enough people. <laughs> we'll have enough people. I have no doubts. <laughs> as many people as are going to be playing when this releases, there will be plenty of people. Yeah. I am sure that there are plenty of warlocks and titans in the listening audience who want nothing more than to punch or slap me in the mouth. So <laughs> bring it. <laughs> Bring it. One, one B, one me, bro. All right. I, I'll do it. I, I figured that game out. I know how to play. You it. have done it. Hey, it was it was really weird, by the way, the other day when you and I ended up in a in a private game and you were on a warlock and I was on a hunter. Yeah, that was weird. It was strange. That happened to you and I, Gavel, when you were giving me the particles oh, yeah. things, yeah. and I was a warlock and you were a hunter, and we both mm-hmm. completely whiffed our supers at the same time, and then I recorded it. it was very <laughs> oh, did you? You should make a gif of that. I'd like to see it. It's pretty It's pretty bad, like, ca- camera shot, because for some reason I shot my Nova were, Bomb at the ground. You were, like, okay. above me? Yeah. You were above <laughs> me in the air, flying over me, and I was running forward under you, and you threw a Nova Bomb, like, behind me, and I shot a tether under your feet. <laughs> It's like, wow. We jump, jumped in the air for the epic kill, and <laughs> no. <laughs> I have a great gif of X-Ray and I challenging each other for the spark in a 1v1 rift match. <laughs> 1v1 rift was awesome. It was so much fun. <laughs> and I was ducking down with Dark Drinker, so he couldn't see me just around the corner, but he had a shotgun out. So I come flying around the corner in the supermassive vortex and he gets turned into purple mist and I get shotgunned into nothing and the spark just sits there untouched. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't even seen that, that gift. I'll have to check it out. Uh, I'll post it in the, in the Slack. It's really funny. Nice. Yeah, that was, that was really fun. Uh, that and then when we were doing just you were showing me where the ghosts were, we let the match kind of run out and we were he was showing me some things he's like hey check this out check that out and then the timer was like at five seconds and boosh i got nova bombed oh (laughs) thanks that's right yeah dirty dirty warlocks that's what they are it's the only class i can play all my other characters are like five (laughs) points away from tipping all their their faction rewards and vanguard rewards i can only play my warlock Oh my God, I just looked at my calendar and it's it's the nineteenth. What's the nineteenth? <sighs> so it's the nineteenth officially. It's officially the nineteenth, at least in my time zone. It's been the nineteenth this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so does that mean it, when it actually releases, will it be the twenty-first for you? I don't know if I get it a day early or not. I don't think you. I don't think you will. It I think it the, whatever, the same time yeah, worldwide. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same time. There was. So then it probably is the twenty first. Uh, I don't know. I'll get it when I get it. Whenever the reset, <laughs> it, it goes live at yeah. the, at the reset. So. Is it okay? So that would be the twenty first then, which is Wednesday. All right. Well, there you go. So this was a Ooh. nice, a nice long episode i'm like oh this will be a totally cool short episode we'll just bang these questions out and get people hyped up <laughs> three hours later uh but it's good because we're gonna take a week off and 
I get to work on the website a little bit more and play some Destiny. If you see me in game, shoot me a message. Like if you want to play private matches or do whatever, hunt down ghosts, just let me know. Uh, I appreciate that goes for all of us. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. We will all be playing a whole lot for the next week. Yeah. You're, <laughs> even if you're if you if you're not going to hear us here, you're there's a good chance you will hear from us. Uh, you know, jump in a fire team, send a party invite. Just let us know. Yep. We'll be in Slack, and there's the website. I'm sure we're going to do stuff with that. Yes. And just one last thing for everybody to keep an eye out for. It is largely believed that tomorrow. When that there's a there's like a hot fix tomorrow, two and do what? There's two hot fixes. Ah, well, um, it seems there's a high likelihood that the database update should happen tomorrow or yeah Monday, and we might see the grimoire. Oh please! <laughs> I hope so. Please. So tomorrow might be an insane day. Well, that'd be cool though because if the grimoire comes. Well, that'd give me something to do, and I wouldn't just be sitting there like waiting for it to be Tuesday. <laughs> I'm definitely setting an alarm and getting up at reset and just starting in the story at that. I guess what will be four o'clock in the morning for me. Yeah, it'll be two o'clock I'm in just, the morning for me. Yeah, I'll just play until it's time to go to work. <laughs> Can't wait. It's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. Well, that will do it for us. Well, we'll see you in game. Uh, oh, we're supposed to do where you can find. See, now I can say. You can just go to destinyghoststories.com and you that's where everything is. Yeah, it's got links to all our Twitters. Yep. Uh, our our Instagram page is a link to our Instagram, our Facebook page, our Twitter page. It's all, everything is right there. We're all centralized and efficient now. I know. You can request Way more Slack access and everything. Yeah, there's a there's a Slack access form you can fill out and just shoot them, sends an email straight to us. It's all tested and works. That's easy. Boom, we did it. We've got a website. It's All really right, awesome, too. We're done. Let's we're just d- shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. <laughs> the web, we, we, we did it. Actually, the website will actually record all of our episodes from here on out. We're just going to play the game. <laughs> so that's <laughs> this is the last episode of Ghost, Ghost Stories ever. Thanks for listening. Yeah, a year ago, that was, our, that was the one thing we said we wanted to do. We said, let's just get a website, and then that'll be good enough. There you go. Like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> 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 There's nothing else to say. No. There isn't. Now I gotta get this thing edited quick so we can release it fast. Hopefully. Fast. Wait, Gavel yep. said he might do that. Hmm. If you want me to, I totally will. Hmm. Because Let's I can just it. get up in the morning and just do it before work. Well, that might be a plan then, because it's late. It's a lot later than I thought it was gonna be. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'll do it. Don't worry about it. Cool. Alright. Well let's get get our audio up. And out and yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Do did we say thanks, everyone? I don't even remember. Hey, thanks, everybody. We'll see you. Uh, yep. Next time. See you in Rise of Iron. That's right. It's a whole new game. Next time we talk to you. Extra. How do you Lord. make crab cakes? <laughs> Ooh. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on where you're at. Oh. Oh. I mean, I live on the Gulf Coast. You do? Oh, you do. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to make a hidden page in the website that is ghoststories.com slash x-ray and it just says thanks everyone <laughs> I thought it was going to be like seafood recipes no, yeah, those, and then has links to that those will go in the blog <laughs> well now that you said that I can't do that I gotta do something different <laughs>
was the longest outro. We ever. said bye. I don't know why we're still recording. I think it's over. Yeah. Is it's it over? Okay. Yeah, go home. Is it over? Go home. <laughs> go to bed. If it's not over, it's, it's going to be over right now. We're going to have all of this at the end of the episode, and this is where it will end. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> Did you laugh at me? I would Did. never you laugh, laugh with at you. me. Whatever. <laughs> Hopefully my dog doesn't bark too much. My neighbor has decided that now is a great time to mow the lawn. My dog has decided to bark at it. I was about to be like, in the middle of the night? I was just thinking the same thing, like 8.30 at night and mow the lawn. <laughs> Your neighbor sucks. <laughs> it's almost 2 p.m., so it's a pretty valid time to be uh, mowing the lawn. So, are we gonna? Okay, I'm trying to decide how to read this. As Cave Johnson. Please remain calm, Guardians. No. 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 I can't do Cave Johnson. No. Hmm. You ready? Do it like an announcement. Let's do it. <laughs>